Yes, and welcome to the V-Twin Life here on YouTube. We talk motorcycles powered by those V-Twins, what fuels our passion, why you enjoy it so much. V-Twin Life is brought to you by these two great companies, Crash Ink Clothing and Wild Ass Seats. Hey, you want to add some comfort to your ass when you're out riding, whether you're a 400 mile guy, or maybe a guy that's pushing a thousand plus, or female rider for that matter, hey, check out wild-ass.com and add some comfort to your ass. Can't forget Crashing Clothing, that Northwest brand out of the Pacific Northwest. Hey, these guys got a lot of great stuff from t-shirts to hats, raincoats, you name it. Hey, they can get you covered. Check out CrashingClothing.com. Now, let's dive into another milepost of the V-Twin life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another milepost here in the V-Twin life. Tonight, all we're right. hitting milepost 84. And the cool thing about this, you know, it's all about sharing stories, the passion we have for the road. Well, Big Dog Al and Clayton, Mr. Biker Cowboy, took an epic adventure this summer where they took off for six weeks to go tour the country, spend time together, and just ride together with, you know, a father and son adventure and a journey. And, man, that story is, is what this is all about. And I'm, I'm honored to share it. I am so excited to just hear some of the stories and, you know, take this story and let it live forever where people can tune in and, keep listening to it five six years down the road it'll still be here and everybody can get memories and, and hear places and might think hey i want to go somewhere and tune in maybe they'll hear some venue someplace they want to check out so let's dive into milepost 84 man hey thank you very much guys for coming on and, and wanting to share this epic story hey thanks What's for having on? us we're stoked it's always fun it's good to be back on the podcast it's always good to chat with you always fun yeah, the last one, I was going to make note, it was quite a while back that you and Brad were on. I don't even think that wasn't even, I think it was still audio then. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it was actually. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was a long, that was probably three years ago or maybe a little more. Uh, it's been less than that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right, it has been. Yeah, a couple years maybe, something like that. But yeah, no, this will be fun. We'll start with Al. When did you first start getting into motorcycles, Al? I got into motorcycles 60 years ago. Um, we got a fellow named John Grove in Pennsylvania near my grandparents used to ride me around on the back of his duo glide. And, uh, man, I, I fell in love with Harleys all the way back there. Since then I've ridden all different kinds of brands, but, uh, back to Harley, I love him. It is an iconic brand. And, you know, I mean, it, there's nothing against any brand. I mean, I don't, I don't judge anybody for what they ride or whatnot because we're all out there enjoying the same road. We're enjoying, enjoying life on two wheels. And you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Interestingly enough, my first motorcycle was a Harley, a 125 CC three speed Harley. I think it was called the zinger or something. I looked, I, they had him at the Harley museum. We were looking, in fact, I got a picture of him next to what was turned into his first hardtail rear end. <laughs> Two-stroke, 125, turned into a dirt bike. Perfect. So where did you find it, Clayton? When did you start riding? Um, so basically, probably before I was born, I started riding on the back of the motorcycle. And uh, then as soon as I was old enough, I don't remember when my first ride out of the womb would have been, but uh, did a bunch of riding. I'm trying to remember. We rode. We went from North Carolina, where we lived at the time, up to Maryland um to a rally and i think i had re i was the furthest rider kid and i don't know i was probably seven years old something like that i don't remember um 
but so that kind of started. I got my first dirt bike when I was seven as well. Started riding. Um, Dad had a dirt bike, rode on the back of his bike, rode dirt bikes, and just kind of had a little track around our property and some uh, public land we could ride from the house to and stuff. So really just started there. And um, then uh, actually a guy we'll get to, Mark Munson, one of our dad's best buddies from college, and I've known him my whole life. Uh, he lives up in Maine, and he gave me a 77 Honda Supersport four-cylinder um, when I was about 15, I think, and it had been sitting a long time. So I got that thing all fixed up. So as soon as I was able to get a motorcycle license, I was riding on the road. And weather permitting, depending on where I've lived, and, and wintertime and snow and ice, I've pretty much ridden ever since. Nice. Actually, I just went through this. So you were on January 27th of 01. It was milepost 25. 59 wow. mile posts ago man <laughs> that was a while man. that was me you and brad mr crash Inc. oh yeah so, that was a good one that was so what you know when did you guys get the idea you know what sparked the adventure to to make this trip happen oh uh, we've been talking about long trips for years i don't know that we ever said we're going to circle the entire united states but uh, we talked about taking long trips and always wanted to, we take, we've taken a number of trips together, but we always said, man, we need to take a, a mega trip. And it uh, just worked out that uh, he could quit his job. I don't know how many kids would quit their job to go on a bike ride with their dad. Oh, but, overrated. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, hey, I'm retired, so I could go, and we just did it. So what did you guys start? I mean, was there any much planning put into it before you went? You know, when you guys said, hey, we're finally going to make this happen. Did you guys spend some time kind of putting a plan together or anything? Or was it just kind of, fuck it, let's go east? Uh, I was kind of throwing, putting spots on a map, I guess is what I would say. Um, so we kind of, we talked about it. Uh, we knew together we were on the road a little over four weeks. I was gone from home six weeks. I stopped to visit some people. We'll get to that on the way out. But basically I, I looked at when Sturgis started and I was like, Hey, if we push this trip one week for our start date, we can go through the beginning of Sturgis, which we did. Um, the Friday Sturgis started. So it was just getting going, but it was still cool. A bunch of people I knew were there. So we got to see friends and stuff like that. That was awesome. Um, so we knew we wanted to go to Sturgis. We knew for sure we wanted to go to the Harley Davidson museum um, we were kind of hoping to hit a bike night there because they're pretty, probably that's the most epic bike night I've ever been to, like as far as just number of people. But anyway, so we knew we wanted to go there. Um, Mark Munson that I mentioned earlier lives in Maine. Um, so we knew we wanted to go there and somewhere in this whole discussion, I just threw out kind of as a joke, Hey, maybe we should go back to Key West, Florida. We were down there on a different trip, <clears throat> car trip for some mud bogs years ago. And we stayed at this cool, shitty little hotel in Key West, and we were like, well, maybe we should go back there. And we ended up omitting that part of the trip because it's a long ways to get from the uh, top of Florida to the uh, the, the bottom. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, so we knew we wanted to go there. And the Blue Ridge Parkway, that's kind of where I grew up riding in the Virginia, North Carolina mountains. It's absolutely amazing riding. We knew we wanted to hit that and stop to see my aunt and uncle in New Jersey, um, which – that's that was the best part of New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just uh, it's a little, little bit of the traffic as we knew is a little different in the Northeast. Oh, um, man. So then we decided to go. Dad had the idea of the Wheels Through Time Museum in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Um, they have like the Guinness Book of World Records for the most bikes, I think, over 100 years that run. 
So we ended up, we hit that. We knew we wanted to go there. Barber Motorsports Museum down in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And a bunch of Route 66. So that was, I guess, kind of our rough sketch of what we were going to do. Oh, we said we would end up at the Four Corners Rally in Durango. Yep. So, so leave Sturgis and end up at Four Corners Rally. So that's how detailed the plan was. Like, <laughs> we're, we're going to just do this. So let's take the longest detour from Sturgis to go south, and let's just detour and see the country. Yeah. Yeah, literally, like. Let's just do it. And we kind of played a lot of it by ear, you know, just kind of like, like as far as, you know, days, if you didn't want to go a long day or it was super hot or whatever, we could shorten some days up and other days we pushed on a little so we could stop and check stuff out, you know, just like kind of like any trip. But it's, it's such a weird feeling to basically be like, okay, we've got over four weeks to be on the road and <laughs> we got to end up here. <laughs> like, uh, Oh, all right. We can do that. I mean, in the whole sense of it, it's just, I mean, you, know, you pick a few destinations, okay, you don't want to be, you know, here, here, say, you know, you laid out 10 of them, and then just, cool, figure out how you want to get there. It's really not an exact map. It's just, you know, pick an ending destination. Now let's just ride and point our way that way, and when we get there, you kind of get their way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Dad's always been good about, like, trying to get off interstates, you know. I mean, they're a necessary evil when you're trying to bust miles, and in some of the more – uh vacant states <laughs> you could be on on a road going 85 or 90 on the interstate or you could be on a two-lane road right beside it going 65 or 70 and it's like i'll just stay on the interstate and make some time you know um yeah, sometimes yeah, so we, we, yeah so we tried to stay off and he he's written enough around the country especially when we got back to the east coast northeast where i've really not written much up there i've been through there but never really ridden around you know like some different two lane roads like across upstate New York and different stuff that were really beautiful that I would have never known. I'd have been on the interstate the whole time. You know, I think that's kind of funny, you know, especially not known area, just pick some back roads, just explore and, you know, find those places that there's no way you would have found some of these little hole in the wall destinations. Like, you know, I remember we we're talking the day, the bougie hotel and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, Basically, so my part of the trip before I met up with dad was I left Tillamook, Oregon out here and rode over to Gresham, just on the other side of Portland. I met up with uh, a couple buddies, Levi of Sporty Mob and Bo of Dyna Dummies and Sam. <laughs> and uh, they were going to go to a stunt ride in um, Spokane. So that was kind of, they were like, why don't you just ride with us? You can crash. We got a house rented. So I was like, okay, because I was kind of kind of planning to leave midweek. So I cruised over there, met up with those guys. It was super hot. It's when we had that crazy heat. And uh, so we were going to ride all the way to Spokane, like when they got off work. So we were going to get there, you know, 10, 11 at night. And we rode. I got kind of got, well, I started getting heat stroke. I had to pull off the road. Like I couldn't breathe. I think it was 111 degrees out in the gorge. That's, I've ridden across the Nevada desert in summer, and it was hotter than that shit. It was crazy. <laughs> but uh so I pulled over and we had one of my saddlebags drill a little hole in it, filled it with ice. So we had cold ice water and stuff just to try and hydrate. And uh, my buddy Bo looks at me and he's like, man, you don't look good, bro. Like you're getting heat stroke. So packed a bunch of ice on my back and down my shirt and in my pants pockets and in my boots and got me cooled down. And so we smashed on to try cities and uh, decided to stop for dinner. And, and it was, we had dinner. It was dark out when we came out. I think it was still 107 degrees in tri cities. And I was like, dude, I'll pay for a room. 
we can get up at four or five in the morning and smash over there, meet everybody for the morning ride. Like, this is just ridiculous. Oh, and in the middle of this, Levi's bike took a shit um, way out at the end of the gorge. I, I'm trying to remember where it was, but little tiny, like the last gas station you hit before you get head out into Tri-Cities. So he had had to turn around and go home. So anyways, we stayed in the Tri-Cities, went over Spokane, had a great time. Uh, some local guys got to see some amazing stunt riders. That was super cool. I've, I hadn't really experienced a whole lot of that where you just kind of shut the whole road down and intersection down and it's kind of awesome pandemonium of skilled riders <laughs> and got to ride around uh Coeur d'Alene Lake. A guy there was local. He was super cool. Um, Mike the mover. So he took us on a cool backcountry ride around. We went swimming in the lake, got cooled off. It was still, you know, in the mid hundreds that day. And, uh, got a cooling vest and we were riding around with just our cooling vests and no shirts on trying to stay cool. It was so, it was hot. It was real hot, but, uh, spent a day there, had a great time, got up early and cruised to Bozeman, Montana, <clears throat> met up with some friends there, stayed with my buddy, Dustin and, uh, had a, it was just, it's just great to see people. You know, that was a beautiful ride. I froze my ass off all the way to about Missoula, Montana till the sun came up. I left <laughs> early and it was like 40 some degrees. I'm like kind of underdressed cause I expected it to just get hot. Um, so that was cool. Beautiful. You know, if you've ridden the interstate across there, it's, it's, uh, beautiful. You just cruise all the way across. There's mountain passes and the roads were all clear and good speed limits. So spent a night in, in, uh, Bozeman, Montana. Then went back to, which I used to live there for a while, just outside of Bozeman. And, uh, then had a short day the next day down to Sheridan, Wyoming. And, uh, you lived there years ago as well. So I hung out with another buddy, Blake down there. We, uh, had a good time and then got up and cruised to dad's house and we took one day off to kind of recoup and get everything ready to go and go over the bikes and visit some family and then we were on our way so that was that was the precursor to our trip <laughs> <laughs> yeah and brad and i we were all going through east washington about two weeks after you did and i remember going it was the same way i remember riding from ritzville down to umatilla and it was I me mean, we spent that whole day that whole saturday just riding in a t-shirt even at nighttime was still freaking hot as could be. Yeah, it was nuts. We had some crazy late summer, you know, that Indian summer we had up here with the weather was just nuts. And then we went right from summer straight to winter. It was like bypass fall. Nah. You ain't gonna get I it. kept saying it when it was so nice for so long. I was like, the light switch is going to turn to winter anytime now. And it did eventually <laughs> just click. Yeah. Now it's raining and snowing. Well, yeah, it's funny. You got a uh, big James here. He's actually tuning in. He lives in Tri-Cities. Oh, rad, dude. I'll have to hit you up sometime. Like, I go through there fairly often. I mean, probably three, four times a year at least. I appreciate Clayton doing that because he <laughs> took all the bad weather for our entire trip. We had fantastic <laughs> weather for the whole trip. We were, I mean, when you figure that many days on the road of riding, you know, six to ten hours a day every day for, I guess there were a few days where we stayed over with people, but... You know, we'd stay like one or two extra nights was the most. And we had like incredible weather. I mean, we had one horrific rainstorm uh, that was lasted about 20 minutes. And we were about 30 minutes away from where our destination was for the night. Uh, I guess we had another one. That was one of my favorites. We were in, uh, well, I, I'll just shorten it up. We'll get into the trip. But it was, uh, we had one hot day. So we left dad's house and we went up to um, a little town in Wyoming just to kind of get ahead. We left about noon, just so it's about 500 miles to Sturgis. And I was like, man, if we're going to stop there and meet up with my buddies and have lunch and then cruise on like another few hundred miles 
um, we should, you know, probably get a head start. So we got a little head start. Went went up to, uh, gosh, I'll think of the name in a minute. Uh, cool little town in Wyoming. It was super nice. Spent the night there and uh, got up. And it was it was damn hot. You know, it was probably in the low hundreds, which is it's tolerable as long as you're moving. And then went to Sturgis the next day. Rode up there, hit the Black Hills. That was like absolutely perfect, man. Like cool in the morning, no traffic. I had no idea that there were like a ton of cops giving out tickets, but I guess we were so early in the morning coming through the Black Hills. We were, we were <laughs> having a great time on some twisties, taking a spirited ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then I see all my buddies posting that they all got tickets in Sturgis for speeding. I was like, oh shit, I guess we were lucky. <laughs> but uh, then when we left Sturgis, it got up, it was probably just below 100 when we left Sturgis. Then I think it was 107 headed across South Dakota. That was, we had a couple, I don't know, three hours or something. I was like, well, here's what we're going to do we're going to hammer down and just go. Like it's. Um, so you guys I guess left Colorado. Uh, what now? Where exactly did you live there, big dog? Where you live yeah. up in Colorado? I the live northern part, way up in the northern part. I'm just like 40 miles from uh, Wyoming. So uh, we took off and headed up. We went through uh, Cheyenne and then headed up from there. So Fort Collins would be basically the closest town to where he lives. Like that's where he shops and stuff. For anybody that doesn't know exactly, um, yeah, if anybody's ever heard of Red Feather Lake, send us. Yep. So, what do you think you guys average? You know, just say, you know, a, a ballpark, you know, day to day mileage wise, where you're riding. You know, I'm doing what, four to six hundred ish, maybe? No, we were shorter than that. I would say we were probably okay. three to five. Okay. I'd say um, Route 66 took a big toll on that. We'll get to that part of the trip. But, uh, <laughs> there was some real slow going on route 66 it was awesome cool stuff but there's there's some parts that are a lot of little towns and then um there's actually an app that'll keep you on route 66 we can talk about that later but uh it's hard to find the old route 66 if you just follow signs but there's an app that'll actually navigate you on the old roads oh wow and, uh, so that was super cool but i mean you're on roads where the grass has grown down like so far over the road you're like riding down the center of the road and the grass has grown halfway over both lanes and there's potholes and washouts and like, you know, you really a dual sport bike would have been a lot better for it. I remember I had one day, my, my quads and my arms and back were sore from standing on the floorboards of the bagger for miles and miles and miles. Cause there were just huge holes. You bottom out in, we were probably doing 30 miles an hour. Just, I remember the end of that day, I was like, this sucks so bad. <laughs> But, uh, Fortunately, that was the only really bad part of the road. Yeah, most of it's nice, twisty country roads that go through little towns, you know, just like riding back roads. Yeah, it's interesting. We It followed along relatively close to the interstate most of the time. A lot of Route 66 is a frontage road now, follows the interstate. But then all of a sudden we diverged from that and we're heading out through the country in the middle of nowhere. And I'm checking my fuel or my mileage and <laughs> thinking about gas, you know, and I'm like, oh, there's a town up here. This will be perfect. We get just short of the town and they got the complete road blocked. They're putting a new bridge in. So we had to get onto all these little country roads, just navigating by seat of the pants. Like, well, I guess we ought to go left. And Yeah, they were kind of laid out like on a square grid, I would say almost, you know, like mile by miles. 
they all seem to run straight. So I was like, well, we can probably figure this out. Yeah, we we finally found a gas station. We found a couple of gas stations that probably closed 30 years ago. And uh, so we finally got to a little, little tiny town, got some gas. All they had is regular. By the way, I have never seen that before in uh, South Dakota and several other places. You go to a gas station, they just got regular gas. That's it. That's it. Diesel and 85 octane or something. 87. They all sold octane booster. So we lived on that for a while. Only $10 a jug. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, well, that was a $50 fill up again. No. We we made it. I didn't run out, but man, we were close to it. It was real close. Like he was on low, low, low. And like he opened his tank and there was steam coming out. (laughs) 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 It was, that was close. Yeah, but you made uh, it. Yeah, well, yep. yeah, absolutely made it. I know some of the guys that uh, we talked to with the, uh, in uh, not the Four Corners, but Sturgis. Uh, I guess it was at the Four Corners, but they their byline was the road will provide. And oh, not enough. Yeah. The road eventually provides. You just I gotta, gotta go with it. There was a guy I knew that always rode shitty choppers, like you know, just. They were cool, but just rusted, like total rat rod looking choppers. And they were always breaking down. And he never took gear, never had tools. And that was always his thing, bro. Like, bro, don't worry about it. The road will provide. And I'm like, bro, you're crazy. This bike's a piece of shit. And you have no tools. Like, you're going to go out and die. He's like, no, bro, the road will provide. Like, we'll find some beers. Somebody will come along with an adjustable wrench. We'll get it fixed. Put a quart of oil in it. Everything will be cool, man. If it works for you, I guess, you know, it's just part of the adventure. Just go. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think I could do that. No, no, I'm a little more. We, we we pack tool kits and stuff, although Dad's always always been that way. In fact, I still have a tool kit. This is a funny, funny little side note. So when I got the Sportster from him, which I still have, which was his first Harley and my first Harley, the uh, 98 Sport Sport, best motorcycle ever made probably. Just kidding, but I love that bike. Um he had made a uh, tool bag out of an old pair of blue jeans. So I think what you were in college or something when you did it or had yeah. something put up for you. So it's an old pair of his like denim blue jeans from probably the seventies or early eighties. No, it would have been seventies. And he sewed this little toolkit bag. It's got little handles. Looks like a little baby suitcase. Hey, no, I was high class, man. I saved the zipper and put that yeah. in the tool yep. bag. It's even got a zipper. <laughs> I still carry that. Like, that's in my bag. Or it just went all the way around the country again. It's been in the Sportster. It's been in his bike. Like, that's that's pretty cool. I never really thought about that. <laughs> the, old, the old pair of worn-out blue jeans tool bag. That was pretty in- ingenious. Well, it's like, I mean, my Rogue Glide, which I got from my dad, I mean, I, I have a socket set and now, which funny story about that socket set, but same thing. He had this little DeWalt, small little like mini, mini duffel bag, you know, had some different, you know, screwdrivers, zip ties, tape, and a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. And it was no little toolkit he put together. And same thing. It's still in my saddlebag. Goes everywhere with me. And same with my socket set. When I had to buy a socket set just because I needed a quarter inch 12 point socket to change out the front brake calipers. No. Yeah, you run yeah. into some weird, weird bolt sizes and and then torques and oh man, Harley likes yeah. to keep us guessing. That they do. Um, I didn't realize that you got your uh, bagger from your dad. That's super cool. 
Yeah, it was it was quite the story. I mean, I got it from my dad th three and a half years ago, kind of as like a Father's Day gift. He yes. bought a brand new one, and I was kind of between bikes at the time, and, <clears throat> you know, kids were growing up. We were so busy with stuff, and he kind of, you know, long story short, came up with, you know, he'd miss the trips we took and all this, and, you know, I had a pretty good deal he went through, and he goes, well, he goes, the only thing I can say is, he goes, I just bought a brand new Road Glide, and, he goes, like hell if I was trading it in. He goes, so here's the title to a new bike. He goes, let's, you know, we need to start riding some more again. Hell yeah. What year is your uh, road glide again? Um, 2004. 04. Okay. I was trying to remember. I, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good looking bike. I love it. I mean, it's, you know, I I think part of why I'm so, you know, fond of the twin cams is you, you keep up on the maintenance and you do, you know, you just keep on what needs to be done and you take care of them and, you know. They take care of you. I've seen so many people that have gone close to 200,000 or even over 200,000 before having to do major overhauls. You know, you, you keep up on the regular schedule maintenance and keep things fresh and, you know, treat them good. They treat you good. Yep, absolutely. My old man always had a saying, oil's cheap, rebuilds are not. <laughs> <laughs> Change that shit. Keep it full. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to turn around and look at this map here. I, I wanted everybody to kind of be able to see this, and I don't know if anybody can it, – it's really hard. I darkened up all the lines on it, so sorry, everybody out there. So this is Tillamook where I started, and I came across here, and this is Dad's house right here. So very northern, that's the border. Um, so we took off, and our first day – now I can remember the name of towns because I marked them all with big stars. <laughs> Our first half day, we had spent the night in Lusk, Wyoming. And, like, both of us were just kind of, like, amazed by what a super cool, like, rural, kind of middle-of-nowhere town it was. But it's super clean. Like, every yard was nice. We went to a pizza place. It was, like, this huge, fancy log cabin-looking place. Like, Lusk, Wyoming, was it was super rad. Yeah, wow. you could tell that they had had some kind of industry there, and they went on bad, hard times because there was some old stuff. But they kept the town up, and it was doing well. So as we talk, I'm going to just kind of reference the map because it'll help make everything smoother. I was going to write down all the names of the towns in my notes, and I failed to do so. Um, so then we talked about we went through Sturgis, Spearfish, all that good stuff. Beautiful, beautiful ride through the Black Hills. Um, I'd love to go back and ride it again. I just wish their speed limits weren't like 45 and 50 through all these like 80, 75, 80 mile an hour mountain passes. It didn't, it didn't affect us thankfully on our trip, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, so our, our next night after the, the hot day, we stayed in Kadoka, South Dakota. Man. <laughs> and ah. says it all. <laughs> it was hot and there ain't much there. There was oh. a uh, two gas stations, both of which only sold, regular unleaded and uh then there was a subway sandwich shop in the same building as a local like greasy spoon restaurant yeah and that was <laughs> it at the exit and our hotel and we were looking across the interstate we're like oh shit there's another hotel like a truck stop over there it was totally closed and out of business <laughs> Yeah. So Kadoka, South Dakota was cool. It's a nice room. It had air conditioning. We, <laughs> the subway had air conditioning. It was a great stop. Yeah. Man, it had uh, running water and air conditioning. That's all we needed that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were ready to. Uh, we stopped at uh, a wall drug. I hadn't been yeah. there in years. 
Uh, we did actually, yes. Whoever just said that, we did ride. Oh, Springer, Springer Mike. Mike. Yes, sir. We did ride the Million Dollar Highway. We'll get to that. That shit is absolutely epic. But probably, so you guys kind of actually went through his backyard. Springer Mike and his brother, Wrenchbender Nick, who's probably tuned in also. They're both watching. They're in, uh, they live in Gillette, Wyoming. Oh, sick. Okay. I lived in Sheridan, like I said, for a while, and I worked for a company out of Gillette. So about 15 years ago, I used to go through Gillette a lot. Um, so we took off from there and just kind of, it's, it's beautiful riding, but it's real flat. There's not, not a lot to slow down and see, I guess would be kind of how I'd put it. Um, so we left Kadoka that next morning, got on the road dang early, trying to beat the heat again. And really, you know, it got hot up in the 80s or lower 90s, but not, it was still comfortable riding. Um, so we took off from there and we made it to Worthington, Minnesota, which is just across the line. Um, that was uh, that was an interesting one. That's the one I, we stopped to kind of take a break and get some food. And I would pull up, you know, hotels on my phone and just kind of be like, well, we'll check them out. That's kind of how we did every night because we didn't know where we wanted to stop. So as we drove through the day or rode through the day, we'd be like, yeah, you know, we're probably thinking about knocking off, at, you know, in a little bit. So we'd look at a town, you know, however far, 100 miles out and kind of start looking. And that was an interesting one. I, I went to book a hotel and I realized how Google uh, can play games with you. So I go to book this this hotel and it switched me. It says, oh, a better rate's available. And it looked like the same hotel and it was not. Um, <laughs> so that was uh, that was interesting. We got there and um, they had just had a severe thunderstorm that knocked all the power out. So they hadn't been able to do laundry. So we couldn't check into a room. It rained on us just enough to get us good and wet. Like we didn't put our rain gear on because we knew we were about there. So we check and it was like, it probably used to be in the, I'd guess, 60s or early 70s, a badass convention center, like had a nice bar in it, all kind of stuff. Anyways, we go to the wrong hotel that I thought I booked at. They can't find our reservation. These two nice old ladies are like, uh, that's for a different hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so we rode across the interstate and that was probably, uh, it was not one of the nicer rooms we stayed in. I remember we went to the pool and like, the ventilation was off to try and kill some time to get in our room, but they had a nice restaurant there. So anyways, that was, that was pretty cool. I don't know if you got any other thoughts on that place. That was, uh, that was the one, our window in our hotel room was broken and there's somebody <laughs> living in the car out back. I didn't feel unsafe, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't classy. <laughs> hey, the, the probably the best feature is it didn't have algae growing in the swimming pool but yeah it was kind of murky because everything had been shut down the pumps had been off because <laughs> the power outage but uh, oh man but yeah that was pretty cool um so yeah i don't know then i guess we got up from there so my sister and her family she's got three kids awesome kiddos i hadn't met them yet so Shows how much I travel. I'm not very good at that. Um, but anyway, so we went to Mason City, Iowa. Um, we didn't end up spending the night there. We just kind of stopped through because of how timing worked out and stuff. But I was super cool. Got to see my sister and her husband and their three kids. And they'd moved there kind of recently. So Mason City, Iowa is a pretty cool town. Um, As we ran into some, uh, what do you call it, serendipity there. We, we were talking about barbecue, like, Oh, man, they're supposed to have great barbecue in this part of the country. So we're headed out of town. And uh, I thought we went right by this barbecue place. And I pulled over. 
he came up. I said, "Hey, you want to get some barbecue at that place?" And he's like, uh, "Okay." I was like, well, "I didn't see a barbecue place, but <laughs> it was not a barbecue place." But we went in there. It's a bar, and it's like everybody in town was in there, and we met the, the coolest. Yeah, it was a people. Sunday afternoon, so everybody in town was there and had been there all day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <heavily. laughs> Man. We we made some instant friends. Oh yeah, they were cool people. Droop. So the hell hotel reminded me of Jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Droop. I like your statement. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash New York and New Jersey. They got some beautiful stuff. But I'll say, oh, it's okay, that's where Bryce from. He's from New Jersey. It, it's okay. <laughs> hey. Well, and my dad's actually originally from New Jersey. <laughs> that's right. You don't have to bash New Jersey. It bashes itself. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my statement by the time we made it to somewhere around New York City was, you know, every town we go through in New Jersey and New York smell like rotten trash. <laughs> Cigarettes and ro- gasoline and rotten trash. That's what it was. So I was like, that's all you smell. Like You never smell fresh air. One of those three or all three are in your nose. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that hotel was, it was a whole thing. It would have been cool to stay there in its heyday. <laughs> yeah, right. It was. It was a would have been a really nice place, but it was pretty well used up by the time we got there. Yeah. Oh, so Mason City was cool. We stopped, like I said, we stopped at that bar. They had it was good food, and and these guys come over and they're asking us, you know, are those your bikes outside? And so we get talking, and you know, it's kind of those very rural, very drunk people, which I could be <laughs> one of myself a lot of times. But they come over and they're like, you guys riding those Harleys out there? And we're like, oh, fuck. I literally like look around. I'm like, all right, I can grab this bar stool and get one of them. Like, here we go. The fight's going to be on. I can just feel it. <laughs> the guy's like, that's badass. Me and my dad just bought Harleys. And man, we were their best friends. He said he's got a camp trail we can stay in. Gave me information. <laughs> he was, they were the nicest people. The hardest part was getting out of the parking lot. We got our helmets on, our bikes running. And he's still like, oh, you don't have to leave yet. Okay, we got to go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was funny because they came over kind of aggressive and i thought the same thing oh man this ain't gonna be good but they were fine oh uh, yeah <sighs> nothing like a good old seattle bar fight but oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. um so anyway so that was super cool and then we cruised up and uh there was tall corn and windmills and google put us on try to put us on some gravel roads like 20 miles you know it's, oh, it's yeah. pretty flat out there it's that cornfield country it's trying to run us on like 20 miles of gravel roads i'm like i don't think so so we ended up navigating our way around saw some really gnarly thunderstorms thankfully off beside us and uh so that day we didn't cover a whole lot of miles because we spent some time visiting Oh, yeah. One other thing that slowed us down that day, my saddlebag fell off. Oh, shit. That's right. That was that day. I thought I thought these uh, chicks were like wanting us to stop and they hang out hot. with them. They pull lie. up next to us up. in a car and they're like waving and got their hands flapping. I couldn't figure out what they're doing till they kept pointing at the back of my bike. I looked back and I only had one saddlebag. Oh shit! And he's and he's riding a, a Dyna Switchback, and those <laughs> those damn things latch on there hard. You know they're a quick detach, but like when they're locked, they are locked. And I, neither of us could figure it out. We we, I'm in front of him. I I he had me lead a, a fair amount of the trip. Just I had my phone mount and navigation. He's like, I don't want to mess with that shit. I'd rather just enjoy riding. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get that. Um, 
so yeah so he kind of pulls off the road and i was like what the hell is he doing so i finally then these girls go by and they wave at me and i was like this is weird and so he comes up and he like points down he doesn't have a saddlebag i'm like shit so busted a ue through the median went back and there it is laying in the fast lane unscathed and so now i'm trying to get back across the median and get that thing and there's about a foot of shoulder you know it's probably traffic's probably flowing 80 miles an hour it wasn't wasn't heavy you know it was pretty open but i'm like shit so i, I just well we're gonna get it so i just pulled up stopped right on the side of the road put my turn signal on and it had some uh some scratches on it but it didn't get tumbling somehow it just came off and slid so it didn't other than cosmetic, it was totally sound. All his shit was in it. Everything was there. <laughs> Clicked it That's back good. on the bike. At least you didn't like, break a lid open and shit thrown all over the interstate. That's, I mean, That's I what I was expecting. Yeah, both of us were like, fuck, well, everything in there is smoked. Like, we're not going to find it. Yeah, the road provides. Yeah. The road, well, yeah, sometimes it provides your own shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yard sale, it's all yours. Yeah, yeah. Have your stuff back. It's cool. I didn't really want it. No. So that was... Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm glad you remembered that. That was, that was, uh, oh, that's a good one, Nick. That's one of those that kind of gives you that lightheaded feeling when you look back and there's a saddlebag missing. You're like, really? Like, can and this been, really like, happen? Locking my wallet in my saddlebag the whole time to keep it safe. And after that, I was like, no, it's going in my pocket. <laughs> it's going somewhere else. Well, that's like, you know, funny when my dad bought, I think it was this one, the 04 that I have. Destination Harley delivered it to his house here in Port Angeles. And he went, say, a block down his driveway, turned on what's Alice Road, went two blocks down to the next road, and he gets, goes to hang a right, or excuse me, a left, and just looks like something caught his eye bouncing down the road as he pulls out. He looks back. It was his saddlebag. Bike had, like, two miles on it. The fucking saddlebag fell off. Jeez. Jeez. Oh, he was pissed. Which I don't oh, mind. Nice. So, yeah, he ended up getting a new one. You know, they made it right, but he's like, you know, brand new. You guys delivered it. I don't even get a half mile. Saddlebag falls off and passes me down the road. Man, oh, that's it, yeah, and it just sucks. I don't know. We'll have to figure out. Maybe we'll yeah. do put dad some bagger bags. But that's things it. like it, that add to the memories. Yes, they yeah, do. Hundred percent. <laughs> Damn right. That's that's dad made that comment several times. That the shit that doesn't quite go right is often the stuff that's most memorable and most kind of enjoyable. Or, or it sucks or, or the at the best moment. Memory. But when, you know, you get things figured out, get it back, and it's about, you know, 100 yards down the road, you start laughing about it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it was. at the moment, it sucks. You're like, shit. But then at least you can turn around. It's like, shit. You, you get a good laugh out of it. And you know what? It's exactly it. It's just memories. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so, so after our saddlebag incident, we, like I said, we went down through uh, Mason City, Iowa, and then spent the night in Austin, Minnesota um minnesota nice, nice hotel that was our first laundry stop i actually remember that now Just right. that you know you don't think about a couple of my buddies ian anderson um make lemonade tour you know i hit him up because he's done a lot of a lot of round the world round the everywhere things and uh <laughs> rick crack saddlebags bolts work great yes i actually <laughs> ordered new saddlebag mounts i have them i just haven't put them on yet <laughs> thank you <laughs> um but uh Anyways, so, um, yeah, we, I had, you know, I didn't want to pack a ton of stuff. So it was like, it was about laundry time. And I'm like, okay, well, let's smash out some laundry. And like, they didn't have laundry soap. The girl at the hotel gave me some from there. They were super cool. It was just kind of a, 
was, it was a hotel. It was cool. Nothing super crazy. <laughs> we did laundry and we had clean clothes. <laughs> I will say that was one thing I kind of figured out earlier on in the trip is uh, I kind of maybe look cool or maybe look like a dork, probably more like a dork, but I was packing up stuff to leave and I knew it was going to be hotter than hell. And I was like, you know, a motocross jersey will keep the sun off me because I knew I was going to wear long sleeve stuff so I don't burn. And uh, so I wore motocross jerseys pretty much the entire trip other than when it was cold. Like when it was hot out, 80, 90, 100 degrees, like you put on a motocross jersey, it wicks, it keeps you cool. It was it was awesome. But after like four days of wearing one, it, uh, it's definitely time to change it out. I'll just... Yeah. <laughs> you, you mean you didn't have that long sleeve crash ink shirt, buddy? That's what I wore. I, actually, I wore that a bunch too. <laughs> no, I totally, I rocked that long sleeve. That was up on the Blue Ridge Parkway, one of those pictures. Um and that was my intent. That was the only shirt I was really going to pack was that. And then I had a black long sleeve, like Harley shirt. And I was like, well, I'll pack these. And I was like, damn, this black long sleeve cotton shirt just, ugh. And then I, I got the idea. And I was like, man, I got all kind of jerseys from flat track racing shit. So I grabbed a handful of jerseys. They're real tiny. They pack small. And I was like, perfect. So everywhere it was hella hot, it was jersey time. And then when it cooled down a little, it was crash ink, long sleeve over the jersey time. Dude, you know the funny story. That's what I wore because, I mean, the long sleeve, same thing when it's, you know, beating down sun. I'd rather not fry my arms. And when, you know, Brad and I, all of us, and, you know, Collins in the chat, we all did, you know, the big Monsters Over Mountains ride. I'd wore the long sleeve crash ink shirt. And Brad's like, dude, that's smart. He's like, you know, the funny thing is like, dude, I never even kept one of those for myself. I don't even have one. <laughs> no shit. No that, and it's funny because dad's actually the one that taught me that wearing a long sleeve shirt. So. I'll, I'll try not to get off on too many tangents because you know I'm good at it. And if I do, just oh, reel dude, me I'm, in. I'm same way. But uh, Dad, so the 98 Sports for Sport was my first Harley, his first – well, not his first Harley, but his first Harley later in life. And I lived in Montana. He lived in North Carolina, and he rode it out every summer to visit me. Flat track bars, no windshield, only mid-control, no highway bar. Just put a tea bag on the back and rock it. And uh, – and, you know, people were like, oh, you can't tour on a sports dirt. He's like, I, I guess I didn't get the memo, you know. <laughs> but he would always wear a long sleeve T-shirt so he wouldn't get burnt. And I never really thought about it. And, and, and like, if you're riding one day, you can kind of get burnt. And it's not the end of the world. But if you're riding day after day after day after week after week, like, that should be – I got tanned through the motocross jerseys. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's amazing how much sun there is. Yeah. Technical difficulties. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tells me I got 10% battery left. I don't know how I did that. But anyway, we're still going. Perfect. Maybe pull, try and pull it towards you a little bit so we can see the bottom of your face. <laughs> ah, there you go. That looks great. <laughs> no, good call. Well, it's like I remember we were on the trip when I went to South Dakota this summer. Jason Setzer. He must have bought like brand new long sleeve shirts just to wear because of the heat. And he all, it's like every morning he must have pulled out a new one because he cut thumb holes in it so the sleeves wouldn't blow to put his thumbs through them. That's genius. And that is one thing I'll say about motocross jerseys is like they fit tight. They don't slide up your arms. You know, yeah. if I go out to the dunes, I wear them and you go 60 miles an hour across the dunes and they don't go anywhere. So I don't know. I think, I think some uh, cool looking custom printed, uh, non-motocross looking jerseys that are motocross jerseys are going to be in the future. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I like it. Yeah, I mean, for those for those hot days, it, now if it gets cold at all and you don't have a layer, it sucks real quick. But anyways. Um, if it was before that motel or after, but we stopped for gas and there was a guy riding a bike. You you remember what the bike is probably, but 
anyway, we chatted with him at the gas station and he took off with us. And we're both thinking like, uh-oh, I think we just gained a uh, here. He's like hanging with us. But eventually he peeled off somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Keltfire. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can tour on any bike. It doesn't matter what the hell you're on. Sportsters tour just fine. They're just it's just a little different ride. Um, yeah. So that just was more that, frequent gas stops. Yeah. No shit. Well, <laughs> that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But I remember being happy. I had to get gas about every hundred miles to get up and stretch my legs at certain <laughs> times in life. The first five hundred miles of the day wasn't bad. Like the next three hundred miles sucked. <laughs> but uh yeah so that was there was an older dude at the actually when we left that hotel that morning in austin and uh big old beard i think he had a trailer maybe no maybe he didn't have a tra yeah he did have a little trailer hey. behind his bike super cool dude like he rolled with us for a while we passed him he passed us we passed him well he actually never passed us we would stop and take a break and then we would catch up and pass him again <laughs> he must he must have figured he got twice the gas mileage if he went half the speed you know like the endurance racer but uh yeah i was pretty cool he was a uh, can't remember where the hell he said he was from but he was on pretty big trip just all by himself just solo just out enjoying life um so let's see here so from there we took a cool trip and that was actually a chilly morning um we went to all the way to milwaukee so we didn't intend to necessarily go that far that day and it was open roads, open speed limit, kind of, you know, and just just kind of making time. Not a lot to stop and see necessarily. Beautiful scenery. But um, so we ended up cruising. And all of a sudden, I'm like, damn, like, you know, we're like 100 miles out of Milwaukee. And so we said, well, let's go to Milwaukee. You know, we got time. So we uh, started looking for hotels. And I remembered. So when I worked at uh, Paradise Harley-Davidson, I got to go for training on the live wire. And that was I didn't realize, like all the cool shit, the Juno Avenue, I shouldn't say all the cool shit, the Juno Avenue area and all the in-person training doesn't exist anymore. It's all just closed. You can go take a picture outside the building. They used to have like a vending machine with t-shirts and stuff. But uh, anyway, so we cruised to Juno Avenue first and I started looking for a hotel and I remembered that the Iron Horse Hotel, I remember going there and having beers and it was just a great time. They had motorcycles in the lobby and stuff. Pretty classy joint. And uh, I didn't remember quite how classy it was. So uh, anyways, but their room prices were super reasonable because it was off season. And uh, after staying in the broken window, people sleeping in their car outside place, we were like, yeah, you know, we could we could do it. And we knew we were going to stay there a couple nights at least um, to go spend a whole day in Milwaukee. We wanted to check out the museum like it, it's I love the Harley Museum. I don't know. Everybody has their opinion, but. I absolutely, the first time I went there was absolutely amazing. And the second time I went there was absolutely amazing. I walk around and take pictures and then I got to put my camera away and actually enjoy it. But, uh, so we stayed at the iron horse motel, um, which if you're on the other side of the building from our room, you can see the Harley museum from our side, you could see all the covered bike parking. So you pull in and there's kind of a loop, like a concierge, um, or whatever, uh, a valet loop in front of it. And there's a bunch of like lean to like covered parking and the guy's all like, oh, you can unload your bikes here. That's all covered motorcycle only parking. So all the cars have to go somewhere else and park like a, not a block away, but next door in a parking garage. And all the motorcycles have covered parking out front. And then he tells us, hey, if you want to wash your bikes, they got a bike wash station, too. 
They've got soap and towels and all that shit out there. And we literally put our bikes under the covered parking area and pulled the hose over and washed our bikes right where they sat. And we could look out our room, however many stories down it was, right at our motorcycles. Super, super cool. Um, yeah, Milwaukee was a great time. I'd like to go back to that city and just check more stuff out. Um, I'd like to go check out that museum. I think it'd be fun. It's it is, really cool. It's amazing. They have like every model of Harley that they ever made, I think. Pretty much, yeah. Well, and I, I think that was kind of the story was that um, from more or less the beginning, they would save one of each model, like new model each year. Like just put it right in the museum, basically, or save it for their private collection before the museum was a thing. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, now was that so, the, yeah, we hung uh, out there, had a killer I made time. A note you were talking about the other day, the bougie hotel. The the Iron Horse Inn? I don't remember. I just remember we're talking the other night. I made a note yeah. you talk about the No, no, that's, that, that's it, yeah. No, it was because it was <clears> – <throat> I don't remember what it was. It was not cheap, but it wasn't, like, outrageous. And then I think they put a $300 char hold on my card for all the shit in the room because they got bottles of liquor and beer and food and every – you know, and it's like a little pint bottle of liquor is 80 bucks or whatever, you know – it was it was very bougie. Like everything in there was. Uh, I was told you need two days. Springer Mike, yeah, uh, Springer Mike. I would say two days. He's Springer Mike said. It's, I was told you really need two days to go through the museum. I mean, I would say it's it's almost like information overload. Like it's just so much to take in. Like you could spend three days there probably. Um, in a day, if you have most of a day, we probably spent five hours in there, I guess, something like that. Yeah. Um, but if you like actually read every piece and they go through like a lot of military history in that museum um, of all the different military bikes and crazy shit. I didn't even know Harley made that they tried V4s way back, which was like a predecessor to the V-Rod, like just stuff I had no idea they made. Um like three wheel drive trikes for the military and they made an opposed twin kind of like a bmw boxer motor um they actually made those i guess for a few years back in the day um so yeah i mean you can see a lot of it in a day but if i had my way i would want to go back like four times in four weeks <laughs> you know like like different times to kind of absorb more each time um we back to the Iron Horse Motel. So it ended up, I didn't know what it used to be. And like, there's, it's this big historical, huge building. Um, and it was a mattress factory actually, that's been turned into a, like a five-star hotel. Now our room, we get in there and you probably got 12 foot ceilings and like, huge, like it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, so we hung out there and I, I remembered eating there and it being good. And their bar just kind of has like a rotating menu and it was, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. So we had a beer there and then we went out one night and found a great Euro place. And then we went to another place. I actually was just looking up the name of it. Um, a guy in the elevator recommended it. We were headed down to breakfast and he's like, if you want the best Italian food you've ever had in your life, go to the Calderon club in Milwaukee. It's, I don't know, five, eight blocks away. It was, it was a ride, but not, you know, five minutes away or something. And I will say that was absolutely amazing. You walked in, like the atmosphere was amazing. There's like Guido and all his buddies over there in suits in the corner. Like nobody's seated over by them, <laughs> but that was some amazing, amazing food. Like 
we had a great time. Um, I was trying to remember they had some beer on tap there. Peroni. Peroni beer on tap. That was like the best tasting beer I think I've ever had. Maybe it's because I hadn't had a beer in like a week and it was hot, <laughs> whatever, but man. So, yeah, so that was super, super cool in Milwaukee. Um, I don't know. What other thoughts you got on it, Dad? Oh, well, we kind of cruised around Milwaukee a little bit, and uh, it's a nice city. It really is. And fortunately, the Iron Horse was close to the uh, dock where the uh, where the ferry takes off. That was nice. So I guess I'll kind of point at the map and I'll let dad pick back up a little. So Milwaukee sits right on Lake Michigan, like on the shore, which I mean, everybody from there probably gets this. And I just didn't really realize that. So you either have to ride down through all this nastiness through Chicago and Gary, Indiana, and just this nice gnarly whole loop here of hellish interstate, unless you want to go way out of your way or... I don't know if you can really see it. There's a high-speed ferry that takes you right across Lake Michigan. So we opted for high-speed ferry. Dad's like, I'll pay for it. I don't want to ride through Chicago and all that shit. Fuck, don't blame him. Yeah, no, I, I, did, I did not want to either. That was cool, though. Man, that thing did really uh, move on. I forget how many knots that thing was moving. Yeah, it was something like 40 miles an hour, and it held like 100 and. 50 cars and 500 people. I mean, it was a big, big boat. It was called the Lake Express. Um, so we had to be there like super, super early in the morning and it was jet powered. So there's these Damn. two huge jets. Like, I mean, you could have skied behind that son of a bitch. Like it was flying. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it took an hour and a half or two hours to get across the lake. Was it like, it just, you were gone. So we had a little breakfast on there. Like you get in and they're like, here's some straps, strap your bikes in, you know, and you're like, uh, okay. Like <laughs> you got any pointers? Like how, like, I don't want it to fall over. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. Straps are on the wall. And they just leave. You're like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to strap the shit out of my bike. Cause I don't want it to be knocked over. Um, that was weird. I mean, I never had, I've been on ferries before and they usually strap them down, but these guys just, had a big rack full of uh, tie-down straps and said, there you go, have at it. Like, yep, wedge them all in across against the wall. Like there was, I don't know, probably 15 motorcycles. Most of I think they might have all been Harleys, actually. And we're like, you know, four inches between front and back tires, tight, 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 pack them in there, like I guess on a ferry. So they have like hooks in the floor or anything? Yeah, or? yeah, it's kind of like that. What's that rail they put in trailers where you clip shit in? It's kind of like okay. that. So they, they had D-ring. I guess on the floor they had D-rings, and on the wall they had that stuff. Now, like our bikes, we were spaced off the wall, so all we had was D-rings in the floor, which are just kind of wherever they are. So we just strapped front and rear to pull the bike so it, it wouldn't rock and put them in gear and – Really, the boat ran pretty smooth at the speed it went, and as long as it was, you you felt a slight rock in the cabin, but like it was, it was pretty damn smooth. Well, I've seen pictures of you know and whatnot of the Great Lakes and get freaking choppy, so I guess it can, you know, see that if they're going across on a choppy ass day, it'd probably be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I wanted them; they needed to be strapped. It was a choppy day. You might want to put like three or four more tie downs go over your seat, go over everything. But yeah, that was pretty cool. The Lake Express was awesome. And then that dropped us out in Muskegon, I think, right? Yep, yep. 
or Grand Haven. No, Muskegon. So we came into Muskegon, Michigan. It's never been there. Don't know anything about it. Kind of historical, kind of small, pretty little town. Um, we went and got some gas. So that day was kind of ended up being a long day. So we ended up riding all the way across Michigan that day. Um, we just kind of took off from there. You know, I don't know what time we got off the ferry 10 in the morning or something like that. Cause it was a early, early ferry. might've been even earlier than that. So we just kind of kept cruising and, and honestly, like no offense to anybody from Michigan or uh, Minnesota, but Michigan, Minnesota and uh, Eastern South Dakota look a lot alike. Um, lots and lots of corn, couple trees, nice road surface, pretty, but not a lot to stop. And really, you know, like it, it's just when there's not a lot to look at, you just kind of keep rolling. So, so we rolled all the way across uh, Michigan to Port Huron and, uh, Spent the night there. That was an interesting town. It was a, it's a port town and a Canadian border town. <laughs> I've started pulling up some different hotels and man, we saw like, we went right. to what a best Western or something. And they're usually at least decent. You know what I mean? Like they're not bad. We pulled in the parking lot and there's like burnout cars and shit. And they're like, remodeling. <laughs> I was like, I ain't fucking staying here. Like no way, bro. So, so we drove around, we ended up finding a pretty decent hotel. It was way overpriced for what it was. I guess what we had stayed at the night before was a lot nicer too or the last few nights, but now wasn't that where we saw the couple leaving that motel? No, that was in that's uh that's when we get to New York. Okay. That's, that's in two more days or one more day. Um so yeah so we found this hotel room it was pretty decent uh what was it a bob evans or something was like the only restaurant in walking distance yeah. and we generally walk to dinner on this trip i should add that when you're on the bike all day like just get a little blood flowing a little exercise so that was my first bob evans experience it was very nice the manager even came out and welcomed me to bob evans and asked me how i liked it and it was good so that was fun tour strap look at about 25 years yeah once you leave the coast yeah yep i agree with you chad um but it was a beautiful little town for sure, yeah. Uh, Chad just said Muskegon's got a little tourist trap. Once you leave there, there's not a whole lot. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we thought about crossing over into Canada. Like, we kind of cut that day a little short, but like, we downloaded the Arrive Can app on our phones. Um, and basically, I mean, you got to have passports and stuff. You got to put in all your information. So we did that. And it says, where are you staying in Canada? Well, we weren't intending to stay in Canada. We were intending to go through Canada. So we get to the border and like, it's just border crossing guys must just hate their life on both <laughs> sides, America and Canada. <laughs> um, anyways, the guy was cool enough. Uh, we just, he kind of asked where we were going and I was like, well, that's kind of a long winded story, but here's where we've come from so far. <laughs> and uh, so Canada, once we got into it, man, like, we just kind of rolled across and uh, I don't remember how many, it was a couple hundred miles, something like that across there. Roads were nice. God, beautiful roads, like perfect road surface. Um, I can't remember what the speeding fine sign said. It said if you were caught doing, gosh, the speed limits are kind of low. Of course, it's all in kilometers. So thankfully, like I had my little power vision up. So I swapped it over to kilometers. <laughs> I was like, all right, this makes more sense. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, but they're hell on speeding. Like, Canadian dollars, I know, aren't quite as much as a U.S. dollar, but I think it said if you were going over like 20K over the speed limit, it was a $25,000 fine or some shit like that, or 15000 
Oh, it's fifteen thousand because I figured it would have been about eight, eight or nine grand U.S. And I was like, "Holy shit!" So, so uh, we didn't speed a lot in Canada, you know. There were still people flying on the fast lane every once in a while, but, but all in all, riding across Canada was pretty. It looked a lot like Michigan, which kind of looked a lot like Minnesota. <laughs> but you no, know, beautiful farmland. Super nice road surfaces, super nice people. It was interesting just to see like their different fast food restaurants and stuff. Like just, you know, I just assumed they would have like McDonald's and Burger King, but they have like their own version of such there. Like it looks just one looks just like a Carl's Jr., but it's like some guy's name or something. It was totally different. So weird to us. What's that? It was weird to us. Yeah, yeah it was. It was different. So that was pretty cool. I'm trying to think. I got pictures on the boat. I'm just kind of going through our log here. Do, 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 do. Um, so yeah, so we cruised across Canada and decided to hit Niagara Falls. Um, so that was pretty cool. I punched in the Google Nav to take us to the U.S. side of Niagara Falls, which would have kind of taken us around and across a faster border crossing, I guess I would say. Um, and it somehow took me to the Canadian side, which you do get a better view, and it's prettier. Some guy told us that, and he was right. You see more of it. Niagara Falls is huge. It's cool. You got to park about a mile away. You got to pay for parking. You got to walk. It's hot. <laughs> I was like, this is like the ultimate tourist shit. <laughs> oh, it sounds like Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anything. It's like a lot of national parks. Like I just got back from a trip. We hit a bunch of national parks. Same thing. Like Zion was like, you wait in line to get in. You can't even get in the visitor center because there's a line like same shit, just a line everywhere. Lots and lots of people. We took pictures, checked it out. It was pretty cool. I mean, it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, if I was going to go back, I think I, would, I said I would fly in instead of driving. And then I would stay at one of the casinos on the Canadian side. Up on the hill, there's these big high-rise casinos. And they look right down into it. And I was like, that would be about perfect. Then, like, have a taxi pick you up, take you on a jet boat ride to the bottom. That'd be all right. <laughs> oh, there you go. But, yeah, so, so Niagara Falls was super cool, man. Um, that was uh, a bad part. Getting out of there, going across the bridge. <laughs> The other side to the US to go through customs, which was easy, but holy crap. We were, how long did it take us? 45 minutes or an hour to get it was over an hour to go about 600 yards. Um, and Springer Mike, Crater Lake, at least Crater Lake, you can ride around. Yeah, I got stuck there. I went to Crater Lake one time, got stuck waiting to get in. Um, and to ADV rider, um, uh, the Canadian side definitely has a better view, but I like either side of it, you can get the vastness. Like it's just huge, gnarly, beautiful blue water. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you didn't have like a passport and weren't already in Canada, I probably wouldn't have made the effort. But if, if you were going just to see the falls, yeah, Canada's a little better. Hey Clayton, have you ever been up to dry falls up outside of Soap Lake? No, but I want to, that's on my list of to do's my man. Pretty freaking cool. It totally is actually this homemade ice cream trailer right there at Dry Falls that makes the most fucking amazing ice cream. Really? Yeah. And no, I've always wanted. I've there. looked it up online, and I have it like on my list of places to go. Like I need to go there. Yeah, wife and I. We went there once with all the kids. We're doing baseball over there, and then we went there again last year. Man, that's cool. I need that to... area. Just decided, hey, let's go up there again. Why not? 
Go get ice cream. Yeah, I need to get up there and check that out. They so. say in its heyday, I mean, you could put Niagara Falls inside of it. It was, well, I shouldn't say it's heyday back in the day in history when it was a massive waterfalls where Niagara Falls would have went inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I watched like a documentary about it. That, that whole, it fascinates me. I love stuff like that. Yeah. It's super rad. So then we, uh, we went through Niagara Falls and we cruised on into New York. We go right around Buffalo. And you started to definitely feel the embracement of the northeastern traffic. You know, people cut you off, semi-trucks cut you off, nobody gives a shit, like, just survive. <laughs> so it was pretty much just ran the fast lane, and we kind of got out of there. And uh, Dad can tell you a quick story about Batava, New York. That was the place with the hotel that we didn't stay. Where the uh, people were leaving. Oh, yeah. So we pulled into the lot of... I'll be right back. There was one motel that was like 250 bucks, and we said, nah. So we went to uh, like Days Inn or something. It was a name brand, but there was a couple walking out of the place, and we're scoping it out thinking, this looks like a shithole. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we asked them, and they said, well, we have a conference in this town, and we have to stay here, so we're going out to buy pillows and sheets and and towels. We're like... Uh, I don't think we're staying here. <laughs> so right, on that. right in front of it was another motel of a different brand. So we said, well, let's walk around there. And the sign on the door says, go to the other motel to check in. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Where did we end up staying? Um, In a town that had no name, about 50 miles from there. And that had already been a fairly long day. Um, I remember we asked the people, we were like, well, you know, and they're like, oh, if you're not here for the conference, I don't remember what it was, like the Living Life Conference. It sounded like some kind of, you know, cult conference. I don't know. So, but they were like, oh, you don't know about it? And we're like, no, I don't want to. I just want to find a hotel. Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we ended up riding, I think it was 50 or, I think it was 60 more miles to the next town. And we were both kind of just like done for the day at that point, <laughs> like between walking around Niagara Falls and all that. We were like, Ugh. and uh, oh, that's right. We stayed just outside of Rochester. Remember, we I found us a hotel. It was a reasonable price. The lady was super nice on the phone. A bunch of places were booked full was the other problem. So there was oh, yeah. a who was it? Some famous rock group had a concert in Buffalo that people were staying like within a hundred mile radius at hotels. Oh, Jesus. I can't remember who it wasn't Metallica, but it was something huge like that. I was like, Oh, you know, perfect. That's our luck. Like, cool. I don't give a shit about this concert. I just want to stay somewhere. So we ended up staying like you could see Buffalo or excuse me, uh, Rochester from our hotel. We were just in the suburb. So we actually got off and went up another interstate a little ways, about 20 miles and uh, it was a nice hotel. The lady was real nice. Nice room. That one, we didn't even go get dinner. We pulled the snack bags out of the saddlebags and sat in the room, ate snacks, drank water, rehydrated. <laughs> They're like, I don't even want to go out. I'm good. Hey, sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely realized our, our, we ate a lot less than we thought we would on the trip all in all. It was pretty interesting because like you don't really want to eat a big lunch if it's, especially if it's a hot day, like, you know, like a little snack or something, a little pick me up. That's really all you want. And then you get there and 
you know, it's you're tired. It's been a long day, and you're like, eh, I'll have something for dinner. We'll just hang out in the room. I think it was cheesy popcorn and <laughs> Pringles or something that night. <laughs> comfort food. Yeah, comfort food. Gas station stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that was pretty cool. So then, Dad, we, we sat down, and he we had to come to Jesus with the map, or he did, and he's like, okay, we're going to get the hell off this road. Um, I guess we were on Interstate 90 through most of that. And uh, he said, we're going to drop down to Highway 20. I thought it was Highway 30, but I was wrong. Highway 20. And he had ridden that years ago um, across New York. And that's a beautiful road. Definitely, you know, it's two-lane road, goes through every little town, a little slower going. But, man, it was just gorgeous rolling hills. Parts of it were like a roller coaster. You come over the top and you just barely see the bottom. Nice twisties. Just just relaxed right and that was really the first time on the trip that we had slowed our speed down you know because everything had been pretty much interstate between 65 and 80 speed limits the whole way and so we were just kind of bombing so it was just a kind of that was like a turning point in our trip where it really kind of slowed down started seeing a bunch of cool stuff pretty pretty stuff like it i I always think of course and i think most people do i think of new york as new york city and uh it's not. And people from there will tell you it's not. There's a lot of just gorgeous, gorgeous parts of New York. So, so that was cool to get out in that and just kind of just ride. You know? I've heard a lot of that from guys that have always talked about, you know, guys that I've got to know through doing this, the talking about the Catskills and whatnot. And I think it's upstate New York or somewhere in New York that's just absolutely beautiful country. It was. I actually had a guy reach out to me. It's pretty cool how many people, and thank you everybody if you're tuning in, that reached out to me on this trip. I had some guys, you know, from outside of Buffalo. I had another guy, I can't remember his Instagram or I'd say what he is, what he was, but he was talking about the Catskills. He lives up that way. And he's like, dude, like, you should have come up here. Like, it's just killer. There's no cars around. You can just kind of get out and really and and ride and enjoy the twisties and not have to worry about a lot of traffic and stuff. So so there is there is more. I, it would be cool. I should I should make myself I should make that a life goal to go back to New York, and ride the Catskills because that would be super epic. You know where we were was still a little busier. I think we should um, do that. Yeah, I'm down. We'll go and then hell while we're there we might as well go to Maine. Got to visit Mark. I mean, yeah. there's a lobster place right near his house. You know you gotta gotta go to Maine and have a lobster. Like uh, just has to happen. Yeah. So um, so we ended up cruising along that night and. We got into it's from New York into Vermont and on Highway 20. And it, at that point, it kind of gets more into the trees and more twisty. Like, I'm not going to say mountainous for out here. I guess there were ski resorts around. <laughs> I'll tell you the funny part of that in a minute. But well, uh, so we get into Vermont. East Coast. Yeah, yeah. East Coast mountains. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, beautiful. Rolling, twisty stuff. Real nice. And so we're like, well, we'll, we'll find there's little towns even some decent sized towns all through there. And so I, I punch one in, I find a place and I'm like, here's this place, Battleboro, Vermont. And, uh, I was like, looks like a cool little town. Looks nice. There's a bunch of hotels there. The prices don't look crazy. And I didn't book one, but I was like, you know, there's like eight hotels there, nine or something. I was like, we'll find something there. So we cruise on and we get there. And once again, we're like, you know, kind of done for the day. And I start calling these hotels and they're all booked up. And so there was one that didn't say it was booked. Nobody answered the phone and it was only about a mile away. I said, let's just ride over there. Really nice old lady. She's owned the hotel, her and her husband for years and years and years. And she's like, well, it's Battleboro days. And I'm like, do what? (laughs) 
He's like, well, Battleboro is a Civil War town. I'm like, okay. She's like, well, it's the reenactment. You're not here for it? People come from all over the world for this. I'm like, oh, it's our luck again. Like, no, I just want to spend the night. So anyways, no one in Battleboro had any rooms. Um, super cool town. Like we kind of looked up the history on it that night in the hotel when we finally got to a hotel. And uh, Battleboro, is, it's a cool place. Absolutely gorgeous lots and lots of civil war history and stuff there it would be cool to go back and check that out as well so anyways we basically cruised all the way tried town after town after town they were mostly like 30 to 60 miles apart so i think we ended up going like another 140 miles or something and we ended up uh just into new Ham or just before the new hampshire line like we got up in the morning went two miles out of the traffic circle and we're in new hampshire so we found a hotel there it was cool. Same thing. Had yep. a snack in the room. It was a day's in for 250 bucks. And it was a nice day's in. I mean, I'll say that. it was a, For a day's in, it was damn nice. But it was, uh, yeah, compared to some of the hotels we had stayed at this point, we were both like, this is kind of horse shit, but I don't really care. I don't want to ride any further. Like, let's just stay here. And it was, uh, if I remember right, that was the one where we're coming down and it's kind of a mountain pass. And we're, we know we got, I don't know, 25 miles to this town or something. And we're starting to come kind of drop down towards the flat. And it goes, road construction, use extreme caution, next like 18 miles. But said pavement ends. Yeah, pavement ends. They'd ripped the entire road out. It was loose gravel for like 18 miles. And it's like just getting dark. <laughs> we were just like, damn. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. We, you know, you just get in the ruts where it's hard packing crews. But it's just like, this is, this is funny. So. Yeah, so that was a pretty cool night. Uh, let's see. What? Uh, hmm. I'm not sure. We might. I don't know. We're just outside Keene, New Hampshire. Um, so anyway, so that was that night. It was pretty cool. Um, days in is a high-class hotel chain here. Yeah, thanks, Troop. I'll say, like, after seeing all these hotels and stuff, have you ever been to Eureka Springs, Big James? No, I have not. Um, I'll have to look up Eureka Springs. That sounds cool. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty cool. So the next day we got up and had a, a shorter day to Mark's house in Maine. He's just outside of Portland, Maine. Um, so we cruised through. First cool little stop, I guess. We pulled in and it's this, this place. It's actually famous. Um, let me look the name up real quick while I'm talking. Anyway, so we pull in and uh, they said lobster rolls. And I was like, well, psh, we're in Maine. When in Maine, have a lobster roll. Um, so it was in Alfred, Maine, the Alfred Country Store. And it's kind of like a, it's nothing really fancy, but they got everything in there. You know, Advil, food, hot food, lobster rolls, everything you can imagine. We end up meeting this guy with a cool old, I think it was an 84 FXRT that was parking it out front. He wanted to sell it. And that was like the year where they had an enclosed chain drive or belt drive or something weird. Yeah. It was a one-year odd bike. If I thought about it, I could remember what it was. But So, anyways, we chatted with him. It was pretty cool. He had had several bikes and stuff. Heard lobster in Maine's pretty cheap. Is that true? Um, yeah, it's it was pretty reasonable. I can't remember what it was a pound, but it's less than Dungeness Crab is here in Oregon. I can tell you that <laughs> in Washington. Um, uh, so yeah, so we cruised on through there. We got to Mark's house and uh, hung out and 
just had a good time catching up, you know. Um, and then the next night we actually went to a lobster place right down the road from his house. And this guy sells lobsters out of his garage of all bizarre things. Like his garage is a giant aquarium, like crazy. I mean, he's a professional lobster place. Um, so that was pretty cool. We got to go, (laughs) well, we went to a baseball game too, right? What was the, what's the name? Sea dogs, a Portland sea dogs. Um, so Mark actually works there. He's retired, but that's, he works pretty much full time there. So it was cool. They ended up getting us tickets. They were very front row behind home plate, the front row. And like, it was probably one of the coolest sporting events I've been to. I'm not like, I don't go to a lot of sporting events unless they have motors involved usually, but uh, it was super, super cool. Like no one there swears. Nobody gets upset. Super family friendly. It was, it was just absolutely cool to see everybody just pumped about baseball. That was so darn cool. They did different stuff between every inning. Kids come and throw some baseballs and every inning they did some activity. It's like they didn't have a lot of downtime. It was nice. Nice. That's what's fun with some of those college summer teams and whatnot I've seen from some of the stuff we've gone to. They're so much more fan-friendly. They want everybody to have a good time and really rope everybody and get them involved in it and just make it a great environment and a lot of fun. I had to. I was pretty surprised when a big door opened out in the center field and motorcycles start coming out of this door and they circled around the whole field. Um, It was a group of veterans or something. It was Veterans Appreciation Night, and they do like a different appreciation night every time. Yeah, so there was probably, what, 50 Harleys that circled the whole field and revved their motors up, and it was it was a super cool event. So did you guys spend some time up there in Maine then, or? Uh, we spent, like, three three nights. Yeah. Um, which was good. I, man, I could have spent more time. Like, Maine was, Maine was cool. I guess I, I remember going to Maine and visiting Mark as a kid, but... Maine is like the four, the Alaska of the lower 48. Like uh, I have another buddy um, that had was had just moved from Astoria, Oregon to Maine, and he just got a place, and he's in the middle of Maine. He's like 35 miles from the closest town, which is a tiny town. <laughs> like his closest neighbor is a mile and a half, and he's like, it's perfect. I love it. But, uh, yeah, I didn't realize how, how rural a lot of Maine was, you know, the lower area of Portland, Maine. And I just remembered it being a city as a kid, but – it's uh, I can't remember what it was. Fifty thousand people or something is all. Maybe maybe a hundred, but it it's it's a relatively small city. Super nice folks. Super cool area. I really enjoyed Maine. It was it was cool. I would I would go back there. Not in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's freaking cold as can be up there. And so so Dad's buddy Mark, like they've been friends for how many years? Over fifty, about fifty two years. So we did oil changes there, or at least I did. I don't remember if you dumped here. I think I was just me because I was like, all right, I'm. F- this is a convenient spot, and I'm, I was about 5,000 miles, 4,800 miles into the trip, and I was like, if I dump it now, I'll be a little over when I get home, but it'll be fine. So uh, did an oil change on the bike there in Maine. Just kind of did some maintenance. I think we adjusted our clutches, just, you know, basic, just kind of run over everything. And uh, then we took off from there, 
And Mark rode with us. Um, he's been a rider. Like I said, he gave me my first motorcycle, my second motorcycle street bike. Um, he sold to me for a super good deal. It was a, I don't remember the year, but a Honda CBX uh, inline six. They only made them a few years. It was oh, a yeah. super I had some cool bike. That used to hill climb one. Dude, an amazing sound. It was a cool bike. Um, so anyway, so I rode that around for, for a while as well. Um, way back when I was a, you know, in college i guess when i was got to hear one of those cbx's with open headers when they dump off just underneath the case all six pipes oh that's <laughs> not a sound amazing this one had like it was three into three into ones on each side i think it was a Kerr Kerr exhaust system and like even at that it sounds like a i don't know like they just they got a cool sound that inline six yeah it turns rpm is a beautiful sound all their own clayton did figure out after a while though that going through cornfields at 60 miles an hour probably ain't the for it yeah it uh it was the one with a full fairing the it was a white like pearl white with blue stripe one and they had detachable hard bags and stuff and uh i came in a corner a little hot and uh <laughs> a lot hot and uh my buddy had a newer bmw boxer cup um uh, basically almost a sport bike i mean it's a it was still an opposed twin but it was it was a bad machine and uh, so we were on a country road that I knew very well, and I came in a corner way hot. You know, I was probably doing 115, and he was pulling off me and went through the first, the left-hand sweeper, right-hand sweeper, and dropped in the left-hander, and the pipe started dragging. And, <laughs> and there was nothing I could do. So I ended up steering it straight, drove through the ditch, up the ditch, into the corn. It was over my head, so I couldn't see shit. And the bike started fishtailing, and I started to let go of the handlebars. I was like, well, here we go. I got to roll off the back of this thing. And I hit an irrigation ditch that was going across. So all of a sudden, me and the bike are in the air. I'm above it. I land back on the seat, lose some speed, and I come out on the side road. Never dropped it. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> it, oh, man. that's That scared me probably more than anything that's ever happened to me on a motorcycle. But, yeah, that was, pretty, that was, a, that was an interesting event. So Mark took off with us. And we rode down to Connecticut, to Danbury, Connecticut together. Um, that ride was, you're headed back into the more city traffic, I guess, is what I would say. Um, and I guess I missed a couple things in Maine. We went to the Portland Head Lighthouse, um, which is right hanging off the ocean. It was just absolutely stunning. Just beautiful place. Went on some rides out through the country. If you're up there, the Portland Head Lighthouse is definitely very cool. And they sell lobster rolls outside it, and they're also good. <laughs> and gelato. <laughs> um, what the hell is gelato? Gelato is, man, I don't know. I'm going to screw this all up. I don't know. I'm not fat, fancy like that. It's, well, yeah, it's what, Italian ice cream? Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, it's, it's some sort of ice cream, and it's really good. They had like this rum something magical gelato. It was it was magical gelato. I was just curious. Never heard of it, so that's all. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you go to an Italian restaurant, they usually give you like a small serving of gelato, which is like it's almost like richer than ice cream, kind of. But I mean, it's just ice cream. So okay, I don't know. Somebody can correct me. Jump in the comments. No, that works, man. Um, so made it to Danbury, Connecticut. That was a that was a good ride. Like I said, you're just kind of what was that? I ninety five or eighty. 95 to 84 so interstate northeast interstates you know it was beautiful you get out of maine and it starts getting more and more you know crowded lots of people um it was a great ride down there and we stayed at a 
nice hotel. It was cool. I don't really remember much about it. I mean, I remember it, but that was the big giant one on a on yeah, a, yeah. Parked like a half mile away from the front to come in the back. It was like another one that used to be a convention center. And once again, we hoped to walk to dinner, and uh, they were there. It said there was an outback steakhouse in the front of it, which was changing names. So there was no restaurant. So we ended up going to this Lebanese place. Um, we looked it up, and it was probably. Well, it was by far Nor N O U R, uh, Lebanese cuisine in Danbury, Connecticut, and like we, I just looked it up. I saw Lebanese; it had good ratings on Google. We all said, "Hey, let's go have Lebanese." And we walk in there, and it's an old house that's been converted. So when you walk in, there's like steel Costco racks, and that's a grocery store and a meat market. And then you go into what would have been the living room of the house, and that's the dining area. The walls have been knocked out. And uh, the guy is super cool. He's from Lebanon. He's like, I'm not a chef. His mom taught him everything he knows. Anyways, long story short, he uh, had a food critic come in, didn't know what a food critic even was. He had just kind of started the, the restaurant, and uh, the guy gave him amazing reviews. He makes like gives you free dessert, and he makes you hot mint, sweet mint tea, and all this like serves you the whole meal like he would do like for his own family. Um, so that was just that was a super super cool experience. So, anyways, if you're ever there, check it out. I don't know why you'd be in Danbury, Connecticut, but they have good Lebanese food. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was cool. So then let's see. The next day we got up and we rode all the way down to outside of Philadelphia. And City we were, of brotherly love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Except I don't love driving with any of those people. <laughs> no, I, and I'm not trying to bash. It's just city traffic. You just just hammer down, haul ass, cut people off, and never slow down or you'll get run over. Just, yeah. just go. <laughs> um. So yeah, so um, we cruised down, and I don't really remember a whole lot about the ride that day. We went by Philadelphia. Oh, we went through New Jersey, of course. We stopped at my uh, Aunt Anne and Uncle Donald's house. I've been going there since I was a little kid, you know, off and on for family stuff, and love those guys. They're awesome people, so fun. I have great memories at their house. And I, anyways, I could go on and on about them, but they're great people, so we got to stop and see them. So where are they at in New Jersey? Because you got Bry here. He's a, he's a local Jersey guy. They, they are in Allendale. Yep. Northern, northern New Jersey, a suburb of New York City. Yeah, I remember one of my memories as a kid. We were there, and my Uncle Don's a Yankees fan, and we're watching the Yankees game, and I look out the back window, and it's the same weather. Like, that's how close you are. Like, it was the same, like, gray clouds in the sky. So, uh, yeah, far, far northern New Jersey. So we stopped in and saw them. Um, it's always good to catch up. So, had a good time there. Then we jumped back on the bikes and cruised down to kind of southern New Jersey um, around Mount Holly. I don't know what other town would be in, around there. Um, my grandparents lived there. They had a big, like, 50-acre place when I was a kid. It was the coolest thing in the world. I learned to drive on a tractor and shoot guns and everything amazing. That was a, just a fantastic place to go as a kid. So uh, one of dad's best buddies, another great friend of his, and a guy I've known once again, as long as I've been alive, John Strong. Um, he's been a motorcycle rider for, well, longer than I've been alive. Um, so we decided to stop and see him. He was around, so that was cool. He uh, he actually had an old Electroglide that was signed by Willie G. Davidson. It was pretty darn cool. 
Um, it was a 85th anniversary electric glide. It's kind of like brown with gold on it. Thing was in damn good condition. It was beautiful. You know, an old Evo bike. And uh, in the tour packs, Willie G's uh, signature. I got pictures of it. It was super cool. So we stopped and and shot the fat with him for quite a while and had lunch. And uh, so many days or weeks or months are you into the trip at this point? Um, Let's see here. So might be. um, Wait. Yeah. What's that, Al? That might be about halfway of the trip. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're probably not quite halfway because we would have done been one. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. About ten days into the trip. We were there on August eighteenth. I just happened to have that note here. Okay, there you go. Perfect. So about about 10 days in the trip. I have little stars on this map of each place we spent the night, so I can kind of count my nights as to where we were. So we left, uh, if we count the half day we left, we were 11. This is day like 11. Um, so yeah, we saw John Strong. He took us to a good local restaurant, had a great meal, um, hung out with him, and then decided to get back on the road. And uh, I think... My goal was to get to, not really goal, but I was like, ah, we should be able to make it into Delaware. So we had looked at some hotels there. And this is when, you know, the old and wise guy makes the younger guy look like a real dumbass (laughs) and loves it. So we're cruising along and there's this shitty looking cloud in front of us. And, you you know, you can see it's, it's dark. And we keep kind of getting closer and closer. And I keep waiting to see like some wet on the road or some mist on the road. And it must have been coming at us, not away from us. So we're cruising along and all of a sudden it's raining. Like it's damn it raining. (laughs) And there's no exits, of course, right there. So we get, I mean, in about three minutes, we were soaked through our pants and underwear, like that kind of rain. And so we pull off this exit and I was like, well, shit, I'm trying to get my, my, uh, saddlebag open and get my rain gear out and it's fucking soaking me and, a, <laughs> and dad's like well how much further do we have to go and I was like I don't think it's very far like 20 miles or less and he points across the way and he goes well there's a hotel right there why don't we see if they have a room it has an awning under the front <laughs> so we jump on our bikes right about 200 yards over into the dryness under this awning and they had a room <laughs> oh that was good stuff I was all all ready to get down the road but yeah, that worked out good. That was, once again, I don't remember what that might have been. A, I don't know what it was. Holiday Inn or something. It was a nice hotel. They had a good breakfast. They had a roof over it, two beds, and that, that, that was good. Yeah, it was clean, safe. <laughs> Oop, you're coming and going, Dad. What'd you say? Oh, it has running water. Yeah, running water. A hot shower. <laughs> that was that was muy importante. Um. Uh, Oh shit, Mount Holly's right down the road from Bry. Oh no shit. Nice. That's way cool, man. Yeah. If we if we get back over there, we'll have to come see you. <laughs> um yeah, yeah I, I have many, many fond memories of Mount Holly. I man, as a kid, it was it was cool. I remember going with uh Irma, a friend of the family's, to this pizza place. And their crust must have been like I think I bet a pizza weighed 15 pounds. Like it was crazy. 
That's that was my shit right there. Oh, it it was amazing. And I mean, it's been 30 years probably damn near since I've had it or at least 20, but it was it was amazing. And then I remember going to the butcher <laughs> shop, my grandpa, we'd all come out for Christmas. <laughs> No blood spatter on the sheets. No, there wasn't. <laughs> no, see, it, my wife had a good one. They she was checking into a hotel. See, I think I was with the older son in Oregon at a baseball tournament down in Clackamas, and they were up outside of Yakima. And they go to check into a hotel. They get in the room and there's blood spatter on the sheets. The oh bed. my! Holy shit, bro! I'd have been so far out of there. <laughs> yeah, she called like, "We gotta find a new hotel." I'm like, "Hey." get her done go get out of there fuck that one yeah, yeah exactly that that is not worth it man yeah. so the next morning we got up and uh, john strong had been a truck driver so he knew all these different roads and uh we were going to cut across like just skirt washington dc didn't want to get into that traffic so uh he told us take route 301 when you get across in, into delaware it was awesome. Perfect pavement, nice weather, no traffic at all. We just flew on up. It was great for an hour or two. I, I couldn't believe we were in, in Delaware. Like, I mean, it, like it's so busy up in that section of the country. Like, it's open farm fields, nothing grown up. Like a 60-mile-an-hour speed limit. Traffic's probably rolling 75 on this road. It was absolutely gorgeous for, like you said, a few hours. So all I can think of is Wayne's World. Hi, we're in Delaware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, whatever that means, we're here. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden, we, we get to a stoplight. And from there on, it was a stoplight, what, every half a mile? or about? I think it was about every mile. And it was like a 65 speed limit or something. So you'd take off from a stoplight, crank through the gears, get up to like 70. And then it was like, is this one going to stop me? And it was like every other one was like slam the brake. It would change like right as you got close to it. Slam the brakes on, slow down to a stop, and then go again. And again, it was – and we did that for probably a couple hours. Ugh. So Brian's like, did you do the hawk? do the hawk's nest in New Jersey? Uh, we did not. I'll have to look that up and see what that is. Let me write that down. Um, we just survived traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turnpike. Holy crow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that Route 301, though, if anybody's riding up there from, I guess it was, I guess you crossed a bridge into Delaware and then we jumped on 301 right after it. But that first, I don't know, hour, two hours of 301 was gorgeous out through the country just unbelievable for where it was um how far south did you guys go um the furthest point south we went was savannah georgia okay um so basically at this point so i've run a lot of different tires anyways dad's back tire we had a shinko triple seven on there which i love i've run that's all i run on my sportster uh, not my current choice for my bagger and, uh, in hot, hot conditions, his tire looked like new. So we realized his tire was about smoked at this point. <laughs> um, so I started calling around the next morning or maybe that day and, uh, Stonewall Harley Davidson outside of Culpeper, Virginia. 
Um, it's kind of weird. You're on a country road and there's this tiny little town. I don't even remember that it was a named town. I, I'm sure it had some name, but it was outside of Culpeper and like there's this big Harley dealer. I mean, it's older, but like huge motor clothes department down to the basement, all kind of stuff. So I thank you, Stonewall Harley Davidson. Everybody there was hella cool. They hooked it up. They found a tire. Well, and of course, he's got a switchback. So it's got a 17 inch rear wheel on a Harley which almost no Harleys have a 17, whatever it is, like a 160, 70, 17 or some shit. So they found a tire. They had one in stock. We cruised through there. They had everything set up. They opened up their schedule, banged it out in a couple hours, got some T-shirts, poker chips, had a good time. I can't remember the dude's name. One of their sales guys, super cool. Like just really nice, good salt-of-the-earth people. That was that was a cool experience. Hawk's Nest is coming in as a great ride through there and up into New York. We'll have to try the Hawk's Nest when we make it out there, Bri. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. So we now we're, now we're down into Virginia, and it's starting to definitely uh, calm down, open up rural two-lane roads, and we are basically headed for the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and kind of earlier on, like I said, like that's my memories of riding as a kid was on the back of his old bike. Uh, we'd each pack a saddlebag and then our camping gear went on the sissy bar. And, uh, I don't know, it was probably what, three hours from where we grew up. Yeah. Um, yeah, Culpeper is beautiful, Keltfire. That was, that was a beautiful, beautiful area around Culpeper coming through Virginia. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, headed down that way and like, we used to go up there and camp and go to motorcycle meets and all kind of stuff as a kid on the parkway. So that's, that was just super, super good memory. So, uh, we stayed about, well, we stayed about 20 miles past Charlottesville, Virginia that night when we got the tire. Um, I can't remember that hotel. I can picture every other one, but I can't picture the one outside of Charlottesville. But anyways, um, so we stayed there. Then we got up in the morning and boogied on down to basically we jumped on, we took 81 down and then jumped on the Blue Ridge Parkway and spent the night outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You know, we were 30 miles out in a smaller area. But uh, so then we jumped on the Blue Ridge Parkway and I'm going to screw this up because I don't remember how many miles long it is. Do you remember, Dad? We did about 200 miles on it. Okay, yeah, we did almost the whole parkway. Like, we only missed about 40 miles. We rode it from Virginia all the way down to um, just outside of South Carolina. It does actually run down in South Carolina a little further. Um, so, so we rode the parkway. It's all a 45 speed limit. I don't know if any of you guys have ridden the parkway. Uh, basically, it was built to enjoy the mountains. It runs right along the ridges of them for the most part. You get just like every – there's scenic pullouts probably every few miles the whole way. Uh, most of them are just absolutely breathtaking. Um, and I'll say most of the road, we didn't really speed a whole lot. Um, there, Well, so there's no businesses on the whole road. It's just for people to drive. It's free. You don't have to pay to go on it. So, like, if you need to get gas, like, you have to get off it and drive down the mountain into a town and then come back on it. And there's some towns that are pretty close to the parkway, but you kind of got to plan your gas stops and food stops because there's nothing up there. There's, like, one, I think, lodge that serves food or something on the whole thing, maybe two. Oh, thing Going down that area and some of those rural areas, I mean, do you guys do some of the, like, mom and pop hotels? Are you just mainly just doing, like, 
the big chains or whatnot? We did a mixture of both. We hit some mom and pops. Um, and once we got a Route 66, we kind of cracked into that a little bit more. Some, some of them were pretty interesting. But uh, we, 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 uh, we tried to find more of the and, – and as you get away from the interstates, it's much easier to find kind of mom-and-pops hotels that are nice. We were looking for somewhere to stay up on the parkway the one night, and uh, all the hotels were closed for the season. And I was like, what the hell? Like, so, um, you know, they're small. And like the one of them said it like has a amphitheater, motorcycles welcome, all this stuff. And I'm calling them and they wouldn't answer the phone. So we rode there and it was closed. So I don't know if COVID closed it or whatever. It was pretty rural. I'll say that. I mean, it was right off the parkway, but it was it was a long ways from any any big town. Um, so that night we well, that was the night we dropped off somewhere outside of like outside of Asheville kind of somewhere in the North Carolina mountains. And, uh, I found a hotel and I was like, okay, you know, it's like an hour from here, 30 miles away. And we were like, all right, let's, you know, go do it, go get a hotel. And, uh, we take off the parkway and that was one of the gnarliest, most amazing twisty roads on the whole trip. Like that shit was sick. It was four lanes and as twisty as you can imagine. I mean, it, it like the views and stuff don't compare to like the million dollar highway. That son of a bitch was gnarly. It was steep, 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 twisty, 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 dragon pipe, dragon floorboards. Like that thing was, that was a hoot. I was, I was almost tired when we got off of it. That thing was so sharp that uh, I think I saw my own taillight a couple times. Yeah. And I didn't realize poor dad, the switchback sits a little lower than the bagger. And uh, so he was back there dragging shit, sparks trailing off the whole way. I'm like, oops, sorry, dude. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Switzerland, so that, just north of Asheville. Switzerland. That's what uh, CJ, I don't want to butcher your name, Pugello. Oh, there we go. Got it. It just popped up. Yeah. Very cool. I, I love that area. And I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. You know, that was that was home for me for the first 20 years of my life about. Um, so I definitely I like the state of North Carolina. It's it's definitely it's cool. And it it was home for a lot of years. Um, I'm trying to think that night we went to a, in the hotel parking lot. There was this sports bar called Coaches. And I was like, ah, you know, it's probably just a sports bar, but there's nothing else around other than like fast food. And we were like, ah, we don't want to walk that far. So we go down to this, this restaurant and we go in and like super nice waitress, super clean place, just kind of a big sports bar. And uh, I'm trying to remember dad ordered ribs. And like, I didn't even think like North Carolina barbecue is like close to my heart. I know me and Denver share a love for barbecue and, and smoking right. meat and stuff, but you know, like, I didn't even think I just like, it's a sports bar. It's probably going to be like, you know, like Ruby Tuesday's ribs or whatever, which is nothing wrong with them. They're edible, but nothing. Those ribs were fall off the bone. Ridiculous. Like that food. Oh, I had shrimp. That's what it was. And they were fresh shrimp brought in from the coast, battered in calabash style, like in this sports bar. Like I would never would have guessed it. Anyways, coaches down there in whatever town that was outside of Asheville, outside of Hendersonville, I guess. Um, that was that was super, super good stuff. And that Sounds was kind like of a it. yeah, that was kind of a cool cool stop. So and we got back on 
and uh, at yeah. the sports bar place, the uh, waitress was good at getting tips. She was telling us she was working for what seven dollars an hour or something Three. like that. Three twenty-five is minimum wage in North Carolina for tips. Jesus, and that's what I said. I was like, "Why the hell would you even come to work?" And I mean, she was super nice, and it wasn't like she was fishing for tips. She was just a very, you know, just friendly, good banter going on. But I was like, "Holy shit, three twenty-five an hour!" Yeah, that's hell yes, Springer Mike. I am too. Especially yeah. those trip. Like, <laughs> damn, they were good. <laughs> that's that'll be my next cooking kitchen goal: is how to make calabash style battering. At home. I've just never hey, tried. I'm not going to lie. I had shrimp last weekend. Damn it. I know. Mm. Damn it. That was the appetizer before uh, the early Thanksgiving dinner at the father-in-law's. Uh, well, that was one I'm of actually, a few appetizers, and I, I love shrimp. I was out of town. We were camping and traveling over Thanksgiving, so I actually have everything. I got turkey in the fridge. I'm going to make Thanksgiving dinner this weekend just because I feel like I got kind of shorted by not being able to cook that meal, so. We're going to have Thanksgiving dinner if anybody wants to come over this week. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be right there. Yeah, just swing on down. Um, So let's see here. Okay, so we went over to the next day. We went into the Great Smoky Mountain National Park um, and went to Maggie Valley, North Carolina, to the Dales Wheels Through Time Museum. Um, How was that? It was It was epic. I mean, like, so the part of their deal, and I didn't know this, is the people that work there are ridiculously knowledgeable about these bikes. Like, you know, people that know about old bikes, I don't know a lot about old, old stuff. Like, I, I kind of know my genre of Harleys a little bit, and I can tell you what a knucklehead looks like and stuff. But I didn't realize that Indian and Harley, way, way back in the beginning, had opposite controls. So Indians were left-hand throttle right hand shift that and, would be fucked and it's a, of course your jockey shift your foot clutch too at this time so you had a right hand fucking foot clutch left hand throttle and their idea was according like the guy at the museum was talking is that uh they wanted to sell to law enforcement and most people are right-handed so you could drive left-handed and pull your service pistol out if needed with your right hand and, people while you're riding. Yeah. I mean, I, that sounds pretty fun. I'll sign up for that job. Like that sounds cool. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, know. and then Harley's was the opposite and, uh, Harley refused. So people were very brand specific in those, you know, first, whatever, 10, 20 years, because if you learned left-handed throttle, right-handed clutch, like you said, how fucked would that be to try and switch everything to the opposite side? Like, Oh, be horrible. That would be freaking weird. I mean, you, you grow up, yeah, you grow up one way, then all of a sudden, okay, you know, I'll say you're police and your your department buys a bunch. It's like, oh, that would just be a total mind fuck. Yeah. And then the, the funny part is, no, go ahead, Dad. No, that's it. That was just. <laughs> yeah, but so the funny part is, so Indian made a conversion kit for their bike. They would sell it as an aftermarket accessory. It was expensive, but you could convert it to a right-hand throttle, left-hand clutch. And Harley said, eat it, Indian. We're not going to do that. <laughs> so Harleys were only right-hand throttle, left-hand clutch. And Indians, you could convert. Yeah, yeah a number of cool kind of bikes in that place. Yeah, um, just like uh, Springer Mike said, um, the bikes all run. And, and that was what really surprised me. You walk in this place, and it's a pretty big building. It's it's 
like a big warehouse, but it's kind of got like a hill climb area set up with a bunch of cool hill climb bikes on this fake hill and like different genres and then broken parts and junk well hung, you know, in a, like an exhibit. Um, but you walk in and the, my first feeling when I walked from the, the gift shop into it was it stinks. It smells like old oil and gasoline in here. Like it smells like an old shop. And then you realize they start bikes up like every half hour. So you're walking around and all of a sudden you hear this weird thing fire up and all the people in the museum go converge on it. And I think it was a 1908 Indian. And that's the, I was the guy that was talking about the left hand, right hand throttle and clutch and stuff, but all, almost all the bikes, three feet no dad hooked up the shift leakage backwards no one else could drive my car <laughs> that's awesome man hell yeah i love it <laughs> oh that's good and, i like that campfire what's that dad that's an anti-theft device yeah anti-theft um so it was super cool like i said it was it was back to the harley museum was more mind-blowing i guess a little bit but like the knowledge and stuff you could learn at Wheels Through Time was just crazy. And, of course, the ride out there is gorgeous. It's out in the middle of the Smoky Mountains, all twisty roads in the North Carolina mountains. That itself would be awesome. I mean, I know that that area, I mean, the Smokies are on my bucket list to, to do one of these days. And I think it would just be so freaking cool. Especially, I mean, checking out that museum would just be epic. It, it was it was super cool. I, I took tons and tons and tons of pictures, of, of course. I mean, like, you just can't even take it all in. There was there was an old trike in there. So, basically, the guy that started it, Dale, um, he started out on motorcycles. The story is, and I don't remember how, what age, but as a young, young man. And uh, the first four-wheeled vehicle he bought was a van so he could haul more motorcycles home. <laughs> and, and, and literally, like, he has that passion for it. Like, if it has four wheels, I probably don't even like it. Um, so, so anyway, it was pretty, it was pretty darn cool. Um, there was a trike in there that, uh, he had built and I think it had a shovel head in it. If I remember right, you know, Craig R mags, like seventies looking cool trike. And they were telling a story about like, they fired it up and it sounded cool as hell. There was an old lady in there and I want to say she was 90 or somewhere in that neighborhood, 80, 90 years old. And she said she'd never been on a bike and Dale happened to be there. And, uh, he's like, well, hell no time like right now. And so he gets her on the back of this trike with him, fires it up, drives it out of the showroom and gets into the hallway that goes back to the shop and does a wheelie all the way down the hallway in this trike. <laughs> and I mean, like, he's just that kind of guy, apparently. Like, he, I, we didn't get to meet him while we were there, but I mean, it's it's a really cool place and just the passion for everything and and just, it, it, was, it was epic. So I would definitely, the wheels through, Dale's wheels through time is... It was very, very cool. Once again, in, information overload. My my small brain cannot soak in all that in one go. Like all the museums we hit, I'd love to go back to 100%. So I don't know. You got any more thoughts on the wheels through time? Or It was cool because he had so many different brands of bikes, things I never heard of, you know. Any old bike, they rebuild them and get them running. So DDK just said – uh Dale passed away and his son runs it now. Oh, oh, copy that. Okay. I guess they didn't really mention that, but I guess that would explain why we didn't see him for sure. Yeah. But the, you can feel the passion and the, the just love for motorcycles and all things motorcycle is there. Like it's just, it's, it's wild. Like to see total loss oiling systems on bikes and shit and see them run. 
where the valve springs and valves are exposed and it just dumps oil over them and that shit runs on the ground. <laughs> it just who would have ever thought of that but sounds like a place to be very easy to spend an entire day with no problem oh yeah yeah we were probably in there i don't know three hours two three hours because we kind of wanted to get on down the road a little bit and we almost almost skipped it and we were like dude you know it was because it was it was a good hour hour and a half the wrong direction and back each way but you know, like, when are you ever going to be there again? Who knows? Yeah, you know? hindsight looks back. You know what a great choice. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I damn yeah. sure won't regret any of the out of the way journeys we took on our trip. Like, man, it was worth it. Um, Here's the going from Keltfire. Wheels your time is another bucket list item. You guys have burned through my whole bucket list. I'm impressed and jealous. <laughs> hey, Keltfire, don't worry, we're not done yet, bro. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna check some more off for you here in a minute. <laughs> we we can't, we just. That that's a she too, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize, Keltfire. <laughs> Anyways, we uh we got a few more. So so we left there and we were headed down to my uh, aunt and uncle, other aunt and uncle, um, on my dad's side. They lived mo- a lot in Southern California. They lived in England for a while. We got to visit them there when I was a kid. Um, so they had just he just retired and they moved to basically Hilton Head, North Carolina or South Carolina, excuse me. They're not on Hilton Head Island. They're just inland. Um, yeah. Not Beaufort. I have a magnet from that distillery you went to. What was it? I don't remember the name of the town. You look at this magnet on the fridge. <laughs> That's where we got into that rainstorm. We stopped at a little yeah. bit, about 30 miles, 30 minutes away. And uh, it looked like the rain was going the other way. We thought it was all right. Man, we got dumped on. I mean, pouring rain. Yeah, that was that last picture I posted on my Instagram was uh, from that stop. And I can't remember the name. It was just a crossroads we stopped at. And and we knew it was going to be shitty. And we were kind of waiting to see if this thunderstorm would pass. Bluffton, South Carolina is where they live. I don't know why I couldn't pull that out of my uh, brain. But beautiful town. They got oyster farms there. We went to the church distillery, which is this place built like a giant chapel that's a distillery. Super, super cool place. Now that great, would be uh, cool to check out. It was cool. It was very cool. Um, great, great uh, flights of whiskey and stuff, too. If, if people are whiskey drinkers and you're near Bluffton, South Carolina, go there. Um so, yeah, so this rainstorm. So we stopped at this little uh, place, and I don't know if anybody knows. Do you know what boiled peanuts are, Denver? You ever been around those? No. Okay, so boiled peanuts are boiled peanuts. Um, <laughs> you can buy them canned. They're a southern thing for sure. So, you know, you get, like, dry roasted peanuts. Boiled peanuts, they put in a, a salt brine and boil them. And as a kid, we'd go visit my grandparents in, like, South Carolina, and uh, you could actually get bags. They'd come in a brown, just paper bag, and they'd scoop them right out of this big vat, probably like a, I don't know, 50-gallon vat. They are and, in the shell, though. They're not just the peanut. They're in yeah. the Yep, correct. They're in the shell. And the shell's soft, and the peanut's soft, almost like the consistency of, like, a kidney bean, like in a chili or something like that. Yeah, I'll pass. No, I just ruined it, the whole thing. Uh-uh. <laughs> People either love them or hate them. They're super, they're salty, they're briny. I think they're so delicious. So anyways, we stopped at this little gas station, and they have these two vats 
Boiled peanuts suck. All right, DDK, fair enough. <laughs> I'll eat boiled peanuts all day. I actually order them on Amazon. There's like one place that cans them in the United States, and it's down there. Anyway, so we stopped at this little gas station before we got stormed on. Mad boiled peanut vats where you could get them hot. And I was like, oh, awesome. And they were out. So that was interesting. But uh, yeah, so we had like some cracklings, like some good southern local made stuff. You know, any anywhere along the way we could find local made or or stuff like that. We we tried. I, I love food. So, you know, we would we'd always try stuff. Yeah. What? Yeah. My wife. Oh, she, she thinks it sounds good. She likes salt. They, they, and they, they are salty. They're, I don't know. I, most people from out West, I'm with you on that. All right, Kelp Fire. No, nobody, most people from out West that I've introduced to boiled peanuts hate them. I'll just say that. But uh, yeah. as a kid, like, I'm sure my parents just did it. So I'd shut up in the back of the car. They'd like pull over <laughs> in a roadside stand and buy a bag of boiled peanuts and be like, all right, you little bastard, eat these things and shut up. We're almost to grandma's house, you know? But, uh, yeah, so anyway, so we uh, left this gas station. We knew it was going to get shitty. It was pretty. We stood out there for probably a half hour and watched it. And we were like just lightning, lightning, thunder, black. It was nasty. And we're like, it's not moving. It's just sitting there. So we left, and that was that was the first time on the trip I had to ride with my leg up over. I just have one of those round air cleaners. It's no pork roll. That's true. Pork roll is money. <laughs> I love me some pork roll and it's salty. <laughs> um, but I had to ride with my leg in front of the air cleaner. So I had my rain pants on. I couldn't even get the bike to run like 50 miles. <laughs> that that would be a picture. It was raining. Like it was absolutely dumping. Like literally my jacket had a bend in the front of it and it was full of water. Like I'm picking my jacket up, pouring the water out. Like it was that was some shit. It rained real, real hard. Like you, most of the cars all had their flashers on. We were probably doing 20 miles an hour and you were just plowing through water. Like you were, there was a wake coming off your front tire, but, uh, thankfully we were near, uh, Norman Lori, aunt, aunt and uncle Norman Lori's house. And, uh, he had the garage open, the door open. We pulled right in, left a big puddle in their garage and got dried off. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty I awesome. I had that years back coming back from the West on an old motorcycle. I mean, I had the Joe Rocket ballistic touring gear, you know, the pants, the coat, longer coat. I mean, it was all, what they say, waterproof and yeah. got caught in like <laughs> one of the Northwest monsoons. Or, I mean, I, when I got home, put my arms down, there was water building in my elbows inside the coat, inside the liner. And oh, I was soaked. Yeah. And, waterproof is a relative term. Yeah. Right. <laughs> joke about mine i was getting wet my rain suit was leaking everywhere and i'm i'm saying hell this thing's only 20 years old and it's leaking already what the I heck? Know. <laughs> we actually got him some new rain pants at columbia outlet in Bluffton. <laughs> and thankfully i don't think we used them a single time after that i think nope. that was the last time we got rained on and i mean so that was three times we got wet four times the whole trip yeah, and that was another like a pair of Grundens. If I'm going somewhere, I mean, if I do, I mean, I have a nice set of Grundin rain pants that are elastic at the bottom, and I haven't had to use them. Knock on wood, but yeah, no, it's good. Rain gear is important. I when I worked at the Harley dealer, I got Harley rain gear, and there's a lot of stuff out there that's great, but that's one of them that it's functional. It works. Yeah, Keep I've the, thought about that. It, it I well, <laughs> I remember I I was fighting rain gear, of course, because I had moved from the East Coast and then Montana, where it pretty much doesn't rain. 
And uh, so I was riding to work and I made it to like almost November. It was like late October and I was riding every day. All I had for commuting was the bike. And I only had about a six mile commute, so it wasn't too bad, but I'd get to work and just, you know, my pants are drenched, everything. I remember one day I walked in and I looked at one of the motor clothes girls and I was like, I cannot start another day with a wet butthole. Like, <laughs> this cannot happen ever again. Tell me whatever I need to not have this occur. <laughs> and so that was my first set of Harley Rain gear. I'm on my second set, and it's been worth it. <laughs> there's like I said, actually, there's one that I've seen that is very affordable lately is getting killed reviews is Nelson Rig has came out with some new rain gear that's supposed to be pretty fucking impressive. I'll have to check it out. I haven't even heard of and it. It's super killer price. I'm talking like 59 bucks, and the reviews from <laughs> all the people for the pants, and then there's a coat too. And what people, the reviews, even from multiple different, you know, venues, I guess you could say, are amazing. Damn, I'll have to check. That's awesome. Well, I hope they last longer than 20 okay. <laughs> Yeah, than your 20-year ring here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we spent uh, a whole day in Bluffton. Kind of catch up with the family a little bit. They took us around, showed us some stuff. Went to the church distillery. Uh, went out, checked out like the inland waterway. That was super rad. Um, it was a really cool area. There's a lot of like older houses and kind of fancy stuff in the town. Like, of course, you got some palm trees. You're getting that far south. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like, they they love their they're both big golfers, and uh, like I said, lived in Southern California a lot of my growing up years and so they moved out there to golf and retire and chill and enjoy life and and they actually have a uh um alligator they have a, a slough in their backyard or whatever it's a house it's a subdivision beautiful houses beautiful place super well kept and uh in their backyard they have alligators that come up on their back patio no shit Fuck a bunch of that yeah, and so they're kind of like, "What in the hell is this shit?" So yeah, so they've got uh, they've got alligators in the backyard. It was pretty cool. We didn't see any big ones when I was there, but there's probably like a four footer. He was hanging around. There's fish out there, but they won't let you fish it because the alligator will come get you if you hook a fish. <laughs> I'm like, "Holy shit, it's crazy!" But uh, yeah, so that was that was super cool. And and so after we got to their house, we rode through that storm. Then they had some more like really, really gnarly thunderstorms come through, like shook the whole house, flooding everywhere. CJ says, I like my set of Nelson rigs. Hasn't rained on me since I bought them. Hell yeah, that's the best kind of rain gear. <laughs> and wrench bender Nick, mine are good. Nelson rigs. Awesome. Off to check them out. Um, yeah, so we spent a day there. I don't know. You got any more thoughts? It was humid as shit. It's, it's like where I grew up in North Carolina, but more humid. Man, I walked around the neighborhood with my brother, just two blocks up, around, back over, and I was soaking wet. It is so humid there. Uh, awful. Pass. Yeah, it's it's that stuff where, like, if you keep your motorcycle helmet in the air-conditioned house and you walk outside, your face shield will completely fog, just, like, at the middle yeah. of the day. I, I couldn't do it. I sweat bad enough. I don't know. I, I grew up around it, so... It's whatever, but you do sweat a lot. You don't get yeah. dehydrated as much, though. The sweat, I think, just it's water beating on you. You don't actually have to push it out. Um, so let's see. So we stayed there. So the next day uh, we took off. 
through, and we made a, a good poke after we left there. So we went down through Savannah, Georgia. I missed a turn, so we got a little scenic tour of Savannah, Georgia, the, the industrial ship area. It was special. <laughs> like pulling this gas station, and once again, there's like people living in cars and shit. Like, all right, let's get gas and get out of here. <laughs> um, we went through, so we left Bluffton, went down through Savannah, Georgia, and uh, I said it wrong at the beginning of this. I'm pretty sure I was talking about uh, Motorcycle Museum being in uh, Montgomery. It's in Birmingham. Anyways, so we cruised all the way across Georgia and into Alabama and spent the night in Alexander City. Um, the roads are beautiful at this point, like grassy, green, shorter trees so you can kind of see further just really that lush lush green stuff i don't even i don't i don't really know what to describe it as other than that just i don't know you got any thoughts dad like it was gorgeous it was beautiful it really was lots of lots of pretty high speed limits again or or people moving so you could make make good progress down the road when you're on the freeway and stuff and like I said, we didn't really we didn't really ride super fast most of the trip, but I mean, boogied on, you know. Um, so anyway, so we spent the night in Alexander City, and that was we did get rained on again because we didn't even put on. No, it was the next morning when we left. We got rained on for like ten minutes. Yeah. So we go into Alexander City, found a nice hotel, walked to dinner at a fine little Caesar's Pizza, and we in <laughs> fact shared. A $5 hot and ready in the room, which I would never tell anyone that me and my dad shared a $5 hot and ready in a motel. <laughs> but, uh, Comfort so that was, come on that was pretty, Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was cheap. It was easy. We walked over there. So that was a pretty good night. Um, got up in the morning and headed for Birmingham um, to the Montgomery Motorsports Park um, to their amazing uh the barber motorsports museum um they're all so different all that's the third and final motorcycle museum this was the other other bucket list item i was trying to talk about or, or uh alluding to but anyways uh, barber motorsports park is absolutely top-notch totally gorgeous it has the guinness book of world records for the biggest and most complete motorcycle collection in the entire world um, and it is. You walk in the front door and uh, you look up and there's an elevator shaft running up the center with glass shelves sticking out the side and four stories of motorcycles sticking off the sides of the elevator shaft. Um, it was absolutely incredible. So many bikes, like brands I'd never even heard of, like custom built bikes from Europe that were made for MotoGP. They have a whole section dedicated to drag racing, to uh, vintage motocross. I mean, literally, it's, well, it's the world's most complete motorcycle thing. Barber Motorsports Museum was was pretty doggone amazing. And every bike in the place is in pristine condition. I mean, not a mark on them. Beautiful. And it, it's kind of interesting. I guess Mr. Barber, he uh, there's some cars down on the bottom level. And he raced Porsches for quite a few years. I want to say something like 20 years. I had a little Caesar's pizza about 10 years ago. Still have heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might too. I'm not going to disagree, CJ. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah. So anyway, so uh, it was just it was epic. It was absolutely. Um, yeah. Thanks, French Bender. We we have made some memories, and this is just yeah. one of our trips. We've done a lot of cool stuff other times, dirt biking and stuff. Um, anyway, so the Barber Motorsports Museum once again is just kind of information overload almost. Like it's so Mr. Barber was gonna have the biggest collection of Porsches um, or cars. He was gonna go cars, and a friend of his apparently said, "Hey man, like." There's already some really big collections. Like if you want to have the biggest one in the world, you probably should go motorcycles. And he also loved bikes. Um, so down on the on the bottom floor, they have CNC shop, every kind of machine you can ever imagine. And they take these one-off custom bikes and anything that needs repaired, they build their own part, machine it, make it, and put it back to exactly how it was. Um, just Damn. like, a, for instance, just the Buell section in there, is probably a hundred feet long of just mules. Um, bikes I never knew, dirt bikes, all kind of crazy shit, drag bikes, super bikes, like just it, it was amazing. Like the the Hayabusa from Biker Boys, that custom crazy paint job bike, that actual bike from the movies in that collection. Um, there's, I'm try. It was just, it was dumbfounding the amount sensory of sensory overload. There is so many bikes in that place that they had to build like 20 foot tall racks and yeah. put like 20 bikes on a rack. There wasn't room to set them on the floor. Yeah, it looks like like picture like your little spinny rack in your kitchen that has all your spices sticking out of it. Yeah, they have several of those that are like just a big bouquet of motorcycles, about eight tall and probably, you know, 20 around. Jesus. And I think if I remember right, they said they could only show in, they could only fit in the museum about 700 bikes and they had about 800 in the collection. That So there's about a hundred bikes that aren't on display. And I just saw on their uh, Instagram that uh, the Caterpillar bike from Orange County Choppers that they built years ago, mm -hmm. that they, somebody, a private person just gifted that to them so that's their newest member of the collection is the orange county choppers caterpillar bike but you walk in and like right as you come in there's a radial engine chopper you've probably seen pictures of it before somewhere yeah that that's like the first thing you see when you walk in and then of course he still loves porsches so the whole time all this is going on the racetrack is live out the back and you hear porsches racing they're doing track days so you can just kind of, as you're meandering through, go see it. Coolest thing about all this. That's very true, Kel Fire. This is something that's part of the reason I, you know, I wanted Clayton and his dad, Al, on this. Is This is my dream to do this with my dad. Also a dream that I hope sometime I can do this with my sons, too. And being able to share this adventure. I mean, there's many of us that dream of doing this, whether it's with, you know, our father or sons or children or whatnot. But being able to hear the story from a father and son duo that has done this is just kind of in a way what why i do this this is why you know i, I kind of started the podcast as a way to hear these stories and share them with people and you know this story now it's going to live on forever and you know this is exactly why i want to start doing this and hearing the story to me is just it is so awesome you know and i can't thank both of you guys for i know we're not even done yet but i mean just oh you yeah know, thank you to you guys coming on and doing this and sharing the story i mean Maybe some people might find it boring the way we're doing it, but it is just so awesome to hear it. And, you know, I, I dream of doing this, you know, hopefully with my father and sooner than not later. 
Well, and that was kind of like, I mean, I guess I'll say like the Keltfire, whoever, like my dad has like been my best friend pretty much my whole life. Like we talk to each other very often. He's my main dog. I got any problems. I got anything to talk about. I got something excited about. He's usually the first person I hit up, you know, and we've just kind of always, always been that, had that, that bond. I mean, of course I went through the teenager phase where I was a, a cocksucker and I'm sure he hated it as much as I did, but <laughs> it, it was it was only moments. We still, you know, we've always ridden dirt bikes together and done things together and built cars together and hiked together and, you know, photography and looking at plants and like, I mean, all kind of stuff outside. Like we've, we've done a lot of stuff and, and that was kind of the, the thing. It was like, well, it's his 70th birthday year and <clears throat> he's in great health, riding like a G everything's good and i hope we ride for 20 more years together but you know sometimes you just kind of got to make shit happen you know it, it there, there's never a perfect time and and i had the opportunity to take six weeks and go and he did too <laughs> so so here we are but yeah just doing it with your best friend and like like even back to the blue ridge parkway you know like it was I don't know if I'm, I guess emotional is kind of the right word. It wasn't like I was teared up, but like an invigorating kind of emotional vibe to be like back on these roads. And like some of the turns I remember from 20 years ago when I was on it with him and we're hitting the That's same awesome. turns and the same road and, and beautiful views and beautiful stuff. And like, you know, look at my mirror and he's back there leaned over coming through the corner right behind me. And, you know, when you're riding with somebody you've ridden with your whole life, you know, I'll do a head check on the interstate to change lanes and he's already got the lane blocked for me as soon as he saw my helmet turn, you know, just, just stuff like that when you, when you ride with somebody. So, I mean, that absolutely like the trip was amazing, but, but doing it together was, was what was really amazing. You know, you, you're talking about that note, you know, looking over changing lanes and you know what, this summer when I took the trip to South Dakota, my son Hayden went with me, he'd have been riding on the road for like a month. And I said, Hey, you want to do something epic? Ride to Sturgis with me. And he went to his boss, and his dad's like, his boss, like, dude, you have to do it. And as we got going on farther, there'd be times like that. It's like, you know, fuck, we need to get over. And I'd look back, and Hayden already had the lane. He's already there. And then, you know, we met up with, in Missoula with Seth's Repentance, and he was saying the same thing. You know, me and Jason were talking off to the side one time. He's like, dude, he goes, I swear to God that Hayden's been riding for years. He's like, dude, the kid is a fucking natural. And you know, Hayden kept telling Jason, hey, I don't want to slow you up, man. Go ahead. He's like, no, dude, you ride with your dad. I'm cool. He goes, I'm having fun. And, you know, even I noticed how quickly even, you know, my son Hayden progressed. And, you know, times like that, it's like, fucking need to switch lanes and look back. And, oh, shit, Hayden's already there. I'm like, all right. And, and that's the best feeling, too, to have, like, your wingman, you know. Like, yeah. It makes everybody safer. It makes everything more fun. Just it's a, an awesome feeling. Feels like yeah, you're in I mean, top gun. And, and it's like, I mean, having the columns, you know, running the – we took the Lexan off Amy's and stuck it on Hayden's helmet in so we could even talk. He'd come up. He's like, hey, Dad, I see this coming up. I, I got the lane. Let's go. And, you know, of course, if you're listening to music, you can always tell when it comes on. I'm like, got something good going. Like, you're jamming. Pink stops. <laughs> What's up? And it's like, okay, you know, we do stuff. But, no, it's, you know, for me, you know, I, I can understand where you're at. And, you know, the first chance of riding with, you know, my older son. I can't wait for my younger son to come on the road, too. And, you know, have the father and son adventures. Because like you, I mean, my best, you know, ride partner is my dad. You know, we do a lot of riding together and, you know, got some cool plans. Want to do some stuff this summer and it'll be, I'm super excited. You know, that's why I was so happy to, you know, when I shouted out to you and said, hey, dude, you know, let, let's do this. And I was so freaking excited. Dude, yeah, it's, I'll tell it's you. Just, yeah, 
my advice to people, so many people have always said with different trips we did, like, oh, man, I wish I could do that. And my advice is the money is never right. The time is never right. You just got to make it happen. You just somehow you got to do it because if you're waiting for that extra money and five weeks of time, probably won't happen. You just got to force it. That's a good point. I mean, it, today's society, you know, you think of something and none of us are getting younger. You know, you, you got something that you do. Don't wait too long and, you know, try to make it happen sooner than later. Yeah, and like, and I've had, I don't know, we didn't really keep, dad might have, I didn't really keep exact track of like how much we spent. I've had a bunch of people be like, oh my God, that must have been so expensive. And and I really like, honestly, I think in the six weeks I was gone, um, and dad, like I said, was on the road with me over four. I think it was about three grand somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, we just split hotels. So every other night, and it wasn't like we wrote anything down or shit. So j- typically one of us would buy food that day and the other would buy a hotel that day just to kind of make it all work out. Cause money is always an issue. I mean, hell, we can never have enough of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't really think, I mean, three grand's a chunk of money, but if you figure, being on the road, staying, we didn't do any camping. It was all hotels or some staying with family, but we didn't really, you know, unless we, we didn't like go out of our way to try and make that a, a thing. So, I mean, really it was not a huge financial deal to make it happen. Getting the time off, you know, like they say it, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Springer Mike, it's only money. Who cares? You can't take it with you, but you'll never lose memories. And that's true. And I had a, an old dude tell me one time and like, it's probably one of the most profound things I've really heard in my life. He's like, you know, I've had money, I've had women, I've had cars, I've had everything in the world. I've had fast boats. And here I am, I'm old. I got an apartment. I got a car. I don't have a whole lot longer. And all I got is memories. He's like, so go make a memory every day. And I mean that, I don't think there's anything truer than that. Like, and it's not to be morbid or like life's short, but make a memory. You know, I, I can think about times where we're roasting a $3 pack of hot dogs and drinking a beer. And like, that was one of the best memories because of the people that were there and, and the, the, the fun. But anyways, <clears throat> I ramble too yep. much sometimes, but, but yeah, make memories every day. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess, so uh, after Montgomery Motorsports Park, the Barber Motorsports Museum. It's absolutely amazing. If you, even anybody is listening, like if you haven't checked it out, just Google it and look at like the first 10 pictures that pop up. Like it's that cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we left there and uh, we made it to just outside of Fayette, uh, Alabama that night. Cause we spent a lot of time at that, that museum um that was a pretty that was a pretty cool one but we were cruising along and we were maybe going to push on a little further and we stopped to get gas in this very rural area and there was like a brand new looking i think it was a hampton inn or no it wasn't a hampton it was something like hilton or something right on the interstate and it's like you're in the middle of nothing and uh so we got gas and dad's like well let's go see what it costs for a room and it was super reasonable they had a restaurant and a bar right in the hotel had a great night's rest. It was that was a it was just kind of one of those odd things. You're like, why is this here? <laughs> like, you know, like 
why did they build a huge motel in the middle of nowhere here? But uh, <laughs> but then it comes to find out there's a, a business there, and I don't remember the name of it, but they do a lot of uh, military contracting and like tactical supply. They like build tactical stuff um, and bulletproof vests and they do training and all this stuff. And so there were a bunch of guys we kind of met at the breakfast table that were, uh, or not at the breakfast table, but at breakfast kind of said hi to some of them and then overheard their conversation and they were all getting ready to like go train people. So I guess there's, there's industries we just don't see from the interstate. Um, so from there we got up in the morning and we crossed into Mississippi pretty quick. Mississippi, the small part of it we went through was absolutely beautiful, man. Mississippi was gorgeous. I'd love to go back and spend some time. Uh, we jumped up into Tennessee. We went through Jackson, Tennessee, kind of, bypassed memphis we were on route 45 which is a two-lane highway beautiful country road um cruised all the way up through there and and ended up in poplar bluff missouri and uh that was a cool town once again it's not really it's kind of in the middle of nowhere but it's a big enough town i think it was like sixty thousand people they kind of got all the restaurants and all the stuff a person would want. Um, so had a nice pool. And I guess I didn't mention that, that we kept kept trying to find places, a lot of the places that had a pool, because if it's been hot and you've been riding all day, that was kind of our routine is we get to the hotel, throw our swim trunks straight on, go for a dip in the pool, come back, change clothes, go get some dinner. And then, and we were usually in bed pretty early, you know, nine o'clock, something like that, eight, nine o'clock. Um, so Poplar Bluff was a cool town. Uh, went and had an awesome Mexican meal at this restaurant we walked to. The pool from the hotel had like the most, it was looking out across Poplar Bluff, Missouri to the west and uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous sunset. So we were just out in the pool enjoying it, watching the sunset. That was a, a nice night. Um, so from there we were on we are now on course i guess i should have said this once we left barber motorsports park we started our course towards route 66 um <clears throat> so that was our goal and initially we were going to cut across and catch route 66 somewhere in oklahoma so we were going to kind of go from here over to here and uh we realized like hey we're running plenty good on time like we've got some extra days um so let's make it count. So we went up through Poplar Bluff and rode up through Missouri to just south of St. Louis. And that's where we actually got on Route 66. And I will say Missouri really stood out to me. I guess I didn't have a high expectation for it. Absolutely beautiful roads. Like tree covered, twisty, nice rolling hills, just like endless, gorgeous roads in Missouri. Like I would go back just to ride yes. around Missouri. And uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed our time. I kind of, we tried to take some back roads and I got us on some real back roads uh, on our way up to St. Louis somewhere. We were, I don't know where the hell exactly we were, but it worked out good. It was beautiful. Um, so Stopped just outside St. Louis and uh, jumped on Route 66 and uh, headed back. Got Took Route 66 down to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Um, we stayed right, the one of the exits right there by the big Air Force Base. 
Um, and it just kind of worked out. Timing was about right. And had a nice hotel, found a super cool restaurant. Another where the big boat was. Oh, no, the boat was in Maine. I totally forgot about that. Well, that was all the way in Maine. Yeah, oh, that was when we went to breakfast with Mark. One of the days we stayed there, we went to that little cafe downtown. Oh, so, going yeah, to backtrack. Sorry, I'm going to just mess this all up. So we're in Maine, in, in town, in this little town. You know, it's like old buildings, you know, probably three, four stories tall. And we're just leaving breakfast. We get in the car. We're parked on the side of the road. And here comes a boat. And the beam on it must have been like, what, at least 12-foot beam? Yes, sir. It took all of both two lanes. And we followed that thing for quite a ways the way we were going. But it was just nuts to see it. It was like a big lobster boat, kind of a flat bottom. Looked a lot like a the, the style of a dory boat, but it was just huge. Like, when do you ever see it? And there was no motor in it. It wasn't completed. It was like a brand new shiny hull. But, <laughs> yeah, that was in one of the somewhere outside of portland maine whatever town we were in that was that was wild that boat was freaking huge now at fort leonard at uh, that fort leonard wood isn't that where there was one in the parking lot no that was oklahoma city <clears throat> glad you got a good memory uh, my memory sucks <laughs> i don't know it just comes back to me somehow but yeah we'll get to that here in about another day actually <laughs> um so we left fort leonard wood and we took Route 66 down through Springfield, Missouri, which was, I'm going to mess this up. If you look up the his, history of Route 66, there's a lot. Um, but Springfield, Missouri, as I recall, was considered the starting point of Route 66. So Route 66, they didn't go build a highway initially. Um what they did is took a route of existing roads and connected them together to make Route 66. Um, so as we followed this and got on different routes, there's the old road from like 1930-something to whenever, and then the new road where they started to bypass some towns and stuff. Um, but so so Springfield, Missouri is considered the birthplace of it. That's where I don't know if they signed paperwork or whatever the heck it was and said, we're going to make Route 66. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then we ended up in Miami, Oklahoma, um for the night and uh there was a couple of casinos there and i was like hell maybe we'll stay at a casino you know a lot of times they have good rates and once again there was some big band i don't remember who it was it was like colt ford or somebody like that was at the casino playing so we start looking for a room went to the first like two hotels we're like we're not gonna stay at these ended up finding a good room uh rode all the way through town to have some uh, Long John Silver's fried fish. It was good. Met some cool people that had moved from uh, Enumclaw, Washington, actually. Uh, oh, real Jesus. nice folks. They had just kind of moved there. They're like, yep, shit's too expensive in Washington. Fuck that. We picked up all our kids and moved to Miami, Oklahoma. And I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> okay. Yep. I can see it's probably less expensive here. <laughs> um, so Miami, it was a cool little town. Like there was some some neat stuff and uh yeah so we got up in the morning and made our way and this is when route 66 really started to pop i guess i should have started like when we first got on it uh would have been somewhere like sullivan missouri just south of st louis some of those little towns have really embraced route 66 you get in there and they have like huge murals and route 66 signs and fixed up old cars and some kind of cool stuff and then you'll drive a little ways, and it looks like a nuclear holocaust of old burnout buildings. 
and then you'll get somewhere where they fixed it up again. And that was kind of a recurring theme all the way through Route 66. But uh, as we went down, Tulsa, Oklahoma has embraced Route 66. Like that was probably the nicest, most built up. They had like a whole Route 66 museum on one end of town and they had a big archway that said historic Route 66 going into Tulsa. Um, then you go into Tulsa and you're a lot of Route 66 is the old highway that runs through the less desirable parts of town. <laughs> it's like you get a cool picture with a Route 66 kind, a hooker, some drugs, whatever you need. Like it's all there. I'm just kidding. But uh, you get the full meal deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really yeah. It's, it's, uh, so anyway, so Route 66 is cool. Tulsa was was kind of memorable. We took a pulled over and took some some pretty darn cool pictures there. Um, and then, like I said, as we were leaving town, there's this whole like Route 66 museum area and like it was it was cool so so that was kind of really getting a feel for route 66 and then we just stayed on it and it kind of goes out in the country of oklahoma it's it it ain't much <laughs> for a while you know and here and there you see these old gas stations from the you know 50s 40s 60s whenever that are you know remnants of uh of of days gone one um, thing to bring up is uh clayton used the app but yeah, I was just going to say that. It's really hard to stay on Route 66 because it twists and winds and takes turns and everything. But, uh, yeah, tell them about the app because that really helped. Let me pull it up here. It's uh, If you search Route 66 Navigation is the uh, app. Um, it's the first one when you Google search them on the App Store. It's $20 for a year. So as we got into... So I guess I should back up a little right around before we even hit Tulsa, right around the Joplin, Missouri. Everybody's heard about the big tornadoes that flatten that whole place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As you come through Joplin, Missouri, you hit a bunch of small towns and there's this Superman ice cream store. And it's like the weirdest thing. It's totally an ice cream shop that's Superman themed. And the guy that runs it like was in corporate America for many years. He tells you a story. Super nice guy. They had great ice cream, of course, but it's Superman everything, like board games, pictures, mannequins, Superman, like wild little place. So we, we were like, well, hell, we got to stop there. So we went in and had an ice cream and we talked to the guy and uh, he was like, you got to download this app. He's like the Route 66 navigation app. He's like, Here, I'll help you find it. It's worth 20 bucks. You're going to lose the route constantly. And we had already run into that through Missouri and stuff where you'd be following it and it'd be like, say kind of like a service road to the interstate. And all of a sudden they're like, you'd go through an intersection and there wouldn't be a route 66 sign. And you'd go like five miles down that road and it would dead end. And then you have to turn around, drive all the way back, get on the interstate, go down the interstate, get off the next exit, get back on it. And then it would do it off and on. So it was, I was getting a little frustrated with it. Um, so the route 66 app, if you're going to actually try and do it is absolutely phenomenal. It does take you some, places that are seemingly stupid like you'll get off and go three blocks through town and then get back on so you're on the actual route um in certain places but anyway so it worked great so that guy tipped us off to that we got the route 66 app up and running from there and that made a big difference um met this cool couple from joplin just outside joplin and they were talking about when the tornadoes hit and stuff and they always went to this certain restaurant after church and their stomach didn't feel good that day. So they happened to go home and the restaurant got flattened and everybody in it died. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, damn. 
but just super cool. You know, once as anywhere, once you get off the beaten path a little more, you kind of you get to get to know like the local people and get a vibe right. for kind of the local local. And that's feel. just a fun way to travel to begin with. Hundred percent agreed. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Um, so that night we made it all the way down to Oklahoma City, and we stayed basically on the edge of Oklahoma City. Um, and, uh, saw the most gnarly, beautiful lightning storm I've probably ever seen in my life out our hotel window. It was absolutely insane. And we were watching it and the storm cells were, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles to the North of us. And they were moving East to West. So we were pretty safe, but I mean, it was like tornadoes, just insane light, the whole sky. I've, I've just never literally never seen anything that crazy it was it was absolutely beautiful we walked next door to a steakhouse some local steakhouse it was darn good um we actually ran next door in between the rain trying not to get totally soaked um yeah that was pretty cool and that's the place dad was talking about that boat so we look out right before bed and here's a i can't remember i looked up all the specs on it. it's basically a 37 foot uh twin hull high like go fast boat and uh we met the guy from the boat transport transport place i saw the thing on it i put it on my instagram story and tagged it and he hit me up and he's like dude i live in outside of la and i ride back i have a, a cbo i don't have time to ride it much but i love to ride motorcycles like if you're ever down that way hit me up and so we've kind of stayed in touch ever since then it was it's something yeah, boat transport cool. but yeah it's just that's the like you, you know, just the kind of crazy like connections you make along the way. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what the name. Anyways, he was a super cool dude. Um, so we left Oklahoma City. We start making our way across Oklahoma, and there was some little roads, different places. Somewhere we stopped over before the Texas border. I don't even know if it's a named town. Um, we go in there. It's probably. 10 30 in the morning 11 o'clock something like that and we'd just been riding a while we didn't need gas but i was like ah we should get off and stretch so we pull in get a snack and the ladies pull in fresh fried catfish out of the fryer they had this big like fried food section at this gas station and i was like i will take some and i remember dad looked at me he's like you're gonna have like catfish at 10 30 in the morning what the hell's wrong with you and i was like if there's something that seems this out of place it's probably gonna be amazing and that was some of the best fried catfish i've ever had in my life like out of this little tiny hole in the wall gas station in the middle of nowhere i, get, uh, I took a taste of it and changed my whole attitude uh, yeah he's like i think i'll have a twinkie or something and he's like Oh damn! Should we just eat lunch here and get some more? I was like, dude, it's ten thirty in the morning. Yeah, I've heard some people say that there is some of the most amazing food at Texas and gas stations. We will get there, and yes, sir, <laughs> it was mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are headed that way. So basically, actually, from there, we pretty much crossed over into Texas, and in that area, somewhere in through there, that Oklahoma into Texas area, we got into some. It took us we got further away from the interstate and uh, route 66 got pretty rural bumpy big potholes grass growing out of the middle of the road in places not not unpassable but definitely keep you on your toes like like i said before it would have been better on an adventure bike for sure <laughs> like i bottomed my head new olens on the back of my bike and just rebuilt my whole front end and i bottomed it out like hard like till it hurts your bones 
I bet a hundred times. Like, um, so anyway, so we cruised across, ended up getting into Texas. Um, we just crossed over to Texas. We hit another gas station and, uh, or no, that must've been the next day we hit that. Um, anyway, so we cruised across Texas. There was this place with a cool bridge. It was like a desert wash, I guess you'd say kind of looked like there should be a Creek there. It was this little narrow bridge. It looked like a big, almost trestle bridge would, but it was like mini size with two tiny lanes in it for probably a mile across this desert wash. And it was old and rusty and just lots of cool old school stuff. And out in the middle of nowhere, we hit this sign that says, welcome to Texas. And, and there we were in Texas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we, oh, right when we got into Texas, we stopped at that way cool 1940s gas station. Remember that thing, dad? It was yeah. like, wild, like art deco styled. It was just wild looking. Um, let's see the tower building. It was called. Yep. Um, in Texas, and it's like green tile and like pillars, like straight 1940s Art Deco, just an amazing looking building. Um, and it was a garage gas station service station. There's a whole story about it. This guy, uh, like designed it. He was kind of a uh, investor entrepreneur in like 1938 or something, and he designed the whole building and had it built. And it was a I guess like what a big truck stop would be now. I think they had four gas pumps on two sides and, but it had like a little restaurant in it and had all this stuff in it. It was a really cool place. Um, just super like beautiful. Pretty cool. Yeah. It was really rad. I don't know if I can, I probably can't looking up on the internet. It's, it's on there. It's just amazing. Yeah. The tower place. It was just wild. I don't know. This probably won't show as much, but but, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of, like... I think I've seen pictures of similar p people talking about down in that area. Yeah, that's that's probably... It was pretty cool. So, we asked them, like, they had a little cafe, and they weren't really serving lunch. So, we said, well, where do we go get lunch around here? And they're like, oh, Hasty's. So, we went to Hasty's flame-broiled hamburgers and hand-packed ice cream up the road. It's, like, behind a hotel on this little weird side street. And... uh it was absolutely delicious. Great food. Fantastic food. Really nice people. Very, very local, small place. It was funny because I was like, man, I don't want anything heavy. It's kind of hot out. You know, I think I'll have a salad. And I think that salad had more cheese and meat and ranch on it than like if I had just <laughs> ate a burger with lettuce and tomato. It was oh, great. Awesome. But I was like, damn. Um, so, yeah, so that was pretty – that was definitely cool. Um. That was definitely the kind of place that only locals would even know about. You had to go Yeah, totally. You would never see it. You'd drive because you had to go past an old hotel down this side road and then turn left and it was behind it on this little weird street. Like you would never know it was there. Um, then we went by a cool leaning water tower in Britain, Texas. We were actually going to spend the night in Britain and the hotel was closed and there's not shit in Britain, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we continued on a ways and we made it to outside of Amarillo, if I remember right. Yeah, we were going to go to Amarillo that night was kind of our, our plan. And this was a very memorable night. This is the one me and dad talked about the, uh, royal inn was it the um so there's this thing called there's a 
the Volkswagen Ranch on Route 66, and it's a whole bunch of Volkswagen cars shoved in the ground on their nose and spray-painted, like, all kind of rainbow colors and shit. It's pretty wild. Anyways, so we happen to end up at this hotel. There's... The executive... Well, yeah. The what? The executive... Executive in. in, that's right. So we yeah. stopped. There's this just absolutely nasty-looking wall of storms outside of Amarillo, Texas. And we're probably 20 or 30 miles out of town. And we're looking out. We stop at a gas station, get gas, and we're both like, that looks like real real shitty like lightning just black <laughs> black cloud fuck that yeah and that was it i was like well fuck you know and there's really nothing around we're at this exit and so i look up there's the executive inn and uh i look across the interstate from the truck stop we're at to where it is and i'm like hmm that's uh, huh. there's a building over there i don't think it's in i don't think it's operational and we're like, dad's like, I really don't want to ride into that shit. And I was like, well, let's go look. So we go over there and there was a nice uh, foreign lady that was sleeping in a recliner chair that we woke up. Like she was in her living room is right behind the front desk. <clears throat> so anyways, it worked out good. It ended up being a really, they just remodeled all the rooms. It was like a cash price, no tax, no nothing. <laughs> we <laughs> rolled back over the interstate to the truck stop we were at, which was the only thing there and got subway sandwiches and had a picnic and we bought some fruit for breakfast because there's no breakfast there <laughs> and uh had a picnic in our room right next to the volkswagen ranch so that was pretty rad um so from there we rolled on across texas and uh that is where the road was like completely washed out in some places it was like a foot of silt the road would parallel and then it dropped down under a little underpass, like under a train track. We hit some real gnarly sections in that part of Texas. That was, uh, that was kids do not try this at home. It was, it was un <laughs> hang on and keep the throttle on in a foot of powdery silt that's washed over the road. Um, yeah, it, there was some, some parts, uh, that were pretty gnarly. So we went across there. I don't, and, uh, let's see. That was the night we made it into New Mexico. And uh, that morning after we left and went through Amarillo, we stopped at a, our first gas stop and back to this phenomenal gas station food of Texas. Uh, we go in there and they had like this whole kitchen on one side. And I was like, huh, you know, and they had tables set up and stuff. And I was like, hmm, this is probably a pretty good spot. And uh, they had brisket sandwiches. And once again, it's like mid-morning. And I'm like, who has, it might have not even been mid-morning. It might have been nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, if you have brisket sandwiches, I asked the lady what she recommend. She's like, our brisket. And I'm like, so you have brisket sandwiches at 9 a.m. I'm like, these have to be good. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we got down on some brisket. And then she also had homemade tamales that she makes herself. She makes her own masa and then makes the tamales. And then has her own hot sauces. So uh, we kind of got down on all of that. Dad got a breakfast burrito once again because he thought I was an idiot for getting lunch food at breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but the breakfast burrito <laughs> never ended up getting eaten. <laughs> that brisket sandwich was absolutely fantastic. It wasn't smoked, but uh, amazing <laughs> food. So that was cool. And uh, so we cruised on all the way across into New Mexico. And once you get into kind of New Mexico, once you leave Texas, it really opens up. Like you get to the top of a rise and you can probably see 20 miles, 30 miles. You know, it's getting more deserty looking. Um, 
So that was pretty cool. We spent the night in Santa Rosa. Um, had the coolest hotel pool. It was like red rock, like Moab around the hotel. They had literally cut the corner of the pool room of the hotel off. And then the hot tub was in this red rock area outside. Damn. Um, that was super cool, and uh, we asked where they recommended to eat. Once again, <laughs> went down south, get good food, and they said this Mexican place across the street's fantastic. So we walked up the road and went there, and uh, they had a long, they're like, oh, it's going to be a long wait. It was to die for. They must have had 17 kinds of meat to put in your tacos. I have pictures of the menu. I just couldn't believe it. So um, had some of the best Mexican food ever in my life there in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Got up in the morning, cruised through Albuquerque. The Kirky has some pretty cool... Uh, the Kirky. Like, the Kirk. <laughs> yeah, the Kirky. It's got some pretty cool uh, renovated parts of Route 66. Like uh, There's like a walking district with like a lot of breweries and stuff. In fact, there were some old Route 66 gas stations that were just like a mini mart with a covered awning and where the pumps would have been. They had like put a fence around it and made that a seating area, and it was like a brewery. So there's some pretty cool stuff there. Of course, we were just passing through. You know, we didn't stop. Um, So that was pretty cool. We went through Albuquerque and then uh, ended that night in one of probably the most memorable night for both of us in a great way in Gallup, New Mexico, which uh, has nothing to do with our great night, has one of the highest crime rates (laughs) per capita. Like you're (laughs) one in eight to be in a crime and one in 20 to be a victim of a violent crime if you live there. It's nuts but uh fantastic place yeah so uh sarah may jamie and sarah are customers and friends of mine i've known for a few years now um she hits me up and she's like you got to check out the el rancho she's like it sounds amazing and we had actually seen it pop up um so the el rancho hotel was built in i think 1936 if i remember right it's all like wooden frame the stairs going up are like logs that are probably 30 inches in diameter cut down into stairs um, so the old, old, like before any Western movies I would have watched from like the thirties, forties, fifties, almost all of them were shot from there. So like so many famous movie stars have stayed in the El Rancho. Um, they had a little bar. We went down there. I swear to God, I thought I was in Tijuana. We were the only people other than the bartender <laughs> that spoke English. There's like all these Hispanic people and they're super nice. And they're like speaking to me. And I was just like, Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, beer makes it better. Like, I don't know. Uh, Cervezas, see. Si. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the El Rancho, If check it out if you haven't. Like, Google it or whatever. That place was absolutely cool. The elevator's super old school, like a service elevator. So it's got like a thing that closes like this, a metal gate. You have to pull the metal gate. You have to close the wooden door till it latches and then pull the metal close gate. The wooden door. And then push the button. <laughs> it is. It's a sliding wooden door like a closet would have, like a pocket door. Um, and then you push the button and then if you don't manually close the door, when you get off it, it stays on that floor. Cause the door doesn't close automatically. So like some dumbass will take it up to the third floor and get off and like, you know, forget about it. Cause we're not used to closing doors on an elevator and it's stuck. So then like the concierge has to walk up three stories and close the door to send the elevator down. Like yeah. it was a hoot. I can't remember whose room we stayed in. It was some actress and we had a, a cool view looking out on the strip of Gallup, New Mexico, people, hot rod cars and rednecks doing burnouts and everything cool. Um, so that was a, that was really memorable. Like there was so much history at that place. It's all lit up with neon lights at night. It's just wild looking. So, 
So yeah, so Gallup, New Mexico was cool. I don't know what you got to add, Dad. I feel like all I'm doing is talking. No, that's fine. That's because you could remember it all. But yeah, that at that El Rancho, and there was pictures of all the old movie stars, autographed pictures of them all over the walls. I mean, it it was the place to stay way back when they were filming cowboy movies out in the desert there. That's cool. It was it was cool. I, I would literally go back just to visit that place. Um, it was cool. Really neat place. So if you're ever near Gallup, New Mexico, check it out. And you're not far from the Arizona border. Um, so we kind of knew at this point we were dialing it in. Um, we were headed to Four Corners Rally. Um, so my stepbrother uh, lives in... Mesa, Colorado. Mesa, Colorado. Mesa. So uh, Jeremy also rides Harleys. He's from, well, kind of from Hawaii, lives in Mesa now. And uh, so he was like, well, hell, it's not that far from Mesa to cruise down there. Like, I'll come meet up with you guys. So we ended up all staying at the same hotel. Um, so we took off from Gallup and we went across to Chambers, Arizona, <clears throat> um, which there ain't much there. Um and then we headed north up Highway 191 all the way to the top of Arizona to the Four Corners area. Um, and at that point, you were on a reservation the whole way, the Navajo Nation. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was all masks. Like everywhere we went on the trip, nothing about COVID anywhere. And we got on that reservation and you could not go anywhere without a mask. Um, so thankfully we had something we'd packed for about 8,000 miles at this point. Not used. <laughs> so it was cool. Um, and yeah, I don't want to transmit shit or whatever, but, uh, so I was just surprised, you know, I, I, anyways, um, so we went up through there and, uh, headed up towards four corners and, and dad had actually been to the four corners monument before. And he's like, well, I don't know. What do you think about the four corners monument? The best at the Four Corners Monument is you could say you were there because it ain't shit there. It's, it's, I mean, it's yeah. a little medallion in the ground and got the, you could stand in four states at one time and that was it. Yeah, it was, uh, so it was pretty hot. Um, nothing crazy, but it was uncomfortably hot. And uh, we smashed like that, that ride up the, up uh, 191 through Arizona is beautiful, but it is real rural, like really rural. So anyways, so, uh, cruised up there, hit the four corners monument. It was like, I think it was $20 a person to get in or some shit, shitty gravel road getting in there. We go in there, we take some pictures, check it out. And, uh, I was like, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, we had been there. <laughs> yeah, you can say you've been there. That's that's about it. And it does like when you look around it, like kind of looks like Death Valley or Moab in certain areas. It it does that ride up 191. You rode through some crazy stuff where it looks like you're on the moon, like beautiful, crazy red dirt and white dirt and stuff. So we hit Four Corners, and that night we ended in Durango. Um, and the ride, once you left Four Corners, they had ripped out about 25 miles of highway again. And there we were riding on shitty gravel road in a dust cloud with about 100 cars behind a pilot car. Um, good times. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It worked out well. So we did that and uh, headed up to Durango and checked into the hotel. We stayed right across from the Harley dealer, basically. We were about 
I don't know, hundred yards down the road or something. Um, so that was pretty cool. Durango's an interesting rally. I'd never been there. It's not as big as I expected. Um, and then you've got the casino, which is like 30 miles out of town ish. Like somebody can correct me on that in the comments. It's a huck. It's like a 40 minute ride, 45 minute ride. And then you've got the Harley dealer and both of those have tons of shit going on. <laughs> and they're like almost an hour ride apart. <laughs> so, um, it worked yeah, good. Cool. We went to the went to the Harley dealer. Um, got to see a bunch of buddies. Brad was there. Crash Inc. was there. Uh, Papa Juan El Gallo, <laughs> our favorite meme guy, was there. Um, Ride Faster Pussy, J Hardcore, he was there. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of people. Um, Victor, Mod Glide, and uh, Mom Glide. And that, uh, that girl, Gogo, who actually works down at uh, Durango Harley. Yeah, she actually wasn't there. It's crazy. <laughs> um so I, I don't know exactly what happened with that but uh she was not around durango harley during that time uh, i think following her story she was sick and then she was maybe out uh enjoying some of the other festivities and then she was no longer employed by durango harley so she has moved and worked somewhere else now <laughs> no, okay then right. so i don't really know i was hoping to see that girl go go because she's a badass yeah. she's totally rad she rides a bunch um so i don't really know what happened i know brad and those guys all met up with her at the uh, flat track races she was out of the casino um but uh yeah so we had a great time at durango harley my my stepbrother actually was pretty sure he wanted an indian challenger so we rode out to the casino we were gonna ride out there anyways checked it out and uh, he test rode an indian challenger he's riding a like a 2019 i think heritage 114 um and uh so he rode the indian challenger and he was like yeah I, i pretty well dig it like I think I'm, I think I'm down and, uh, went back to Durango Harley and he test rode a white street glide, which was kind of what he'd always wanted. And he's like, I can't describe it, but this bike's way better. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's how I sold Harley. He's like, just ride it. You'll get it. So he ended up yeah. buying a brand new street glide, got pipes on it and stuff right out the gate at Durango Harley. They were all super cool. It's rad. The owner of Durango Harley's out there hanging out chopping it up like you wouldn't know who he was dump truck was there god i always love that guy dump trucks a hoot um so went to the v twin visionary show that was pretty cool got a little uh bat best batwing award for the bagger um i'm not it, it, well it might have been the it was the best one there there because yeah. there wasn't really many more but uh it was pretty clapped about seven thousand miles of being beat around the country and through dirt washes and shit i took it to the car wash and scrubbed it and scrubbed it went and bought some wax some scratch remover and i'm trying to clean it in the hotel parking lot but uh yeah so durango was a super good time uh had a blast got to spend time with my stepbrother and pops and went downtown the party's downtown we didn't go to any of the late stuff like I was going to go to the Carusi after party and stuff, but man, I, I'm an old man. I don't stay up late really anymore. Like, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, so we did that hit Durango, had a great time. Uh, we rode out to Pagosa Springs, uh, just for a ride somewhere to go, uh, checked out chimney rock. Yeah. Chimney rock. That's what it was. It's pretty cool looking rock. Dad almost ran out of gas again. That was special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who the hell makes a touring Dyna and puts a smaller gas tank on it? Honestly. Yeah. Like, a Dyna has a five-gallon tank. A Switchback has a 4.5-gallon tank. Well, it's like, you know, I found out my son buying the, the Yamaha V-Star 1300 touring model. They didn't put a gas gauge on it. It's a touring model. No, no gas gauge, huh? No Man, gas I remember gauge. those days. 
Like, you gotta be kidding, but all right, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> like sportsters now, they just got a low fuel light, like, especially the 48 with that little bitty tank. Like, okay, you got eight miles till you're stuck. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. That's helpful. Thanks. Like, it's the you're fucked light. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, all three and a half gallons of you. Um, so, yeah, so we took off, spent a couple nights in Durango, enjoyed it, got to see everybody, hang out, uh, met like Roji, Blackflies, Eyewear. He's, super cool just it was cool to just kind of connect with a bunch of those people just see oh, them in person that would be cool and uh and see their bikes and like roji's wheel bearings took a shit on the way in and they thought they were going to get it there and so like while we're at the dealer his bike comes in on a fucking roll back with the whole wheel bearings completely hogged out of it like you know yeah. just normal shit shit happens um i will be so back during the rally we headed north and so we went through durango excuse me not durango uh uray and that was the million dollar highway and the million dollar highway touched my soul that road is absolutely amazing that's the most amazing road i've ever ridden on a motorcycle um i did have an issue that started back in maine uh where my abs module decided to go out and ha hold pressure on my brakes so by this point in the trip, I have severely warped brake rotors. So there was no braking coming into the corners. All you could do was downshift and barely touch the brakes. I probably should have stopped and got it fixed, but whatever. We got it home. Brad hooked me up. Crash Inc. had a big rotor, 14-inch rotor kit from Arlen Ness and new rotors. So I got all that in with Galfer brakes, and it's amazing now. But um, So, yeah, so I rode about halfway around the United States with really warped brakes that were getting worse in uh, – uh somewhere in missouri at the hotel i actually pulled my abs uh fuse to disable it and it stopped holding pressure on them but the the rotors were already pretty pretty violently bad Boobard. yep yep so anyways so there was i we didn't really ride that road super hard it would be fun to go back and really shred on it um but we got down i mean we drug some floorboards and had a good time and and really the views are just phenomenal like I got the GoPro up and going and like Uray, Colorado, I think the town's at about 10,000 feet and there's mountains sticking up all around you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the uh, million dollar highway, dude? I'll tell you what, uh, I've been up to Glacier National Park. I've been on all kind of paths. That road was scary. If you made a mistake, you had about 300 feet before you hit it. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. Nice curve, but man, there was no room for error because there was no bottom to that thing. Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely a don't fuck up road. I, I'll say like I made the analogy to one of my buddies. It was like you felt more like you were in an airplane than on a motorcycle because you dropped so hard and so sharp around a corner and downhill. You could see you'd be down here below you. So like you had to like calculate the trajectory of your bike. Like it was as much as calculating drop as it was breaking coming into a corner. It was, it was epic. It was wild. I would love to go back and ride it again. Oh, sounds awesome. I want to. It was. And just the views alone, like even if you're just taking your time putting, like just the views are, it's sick. It's, it was, it was, I would compare it to like the going to the sun road and glacier, except you're, that's a tiny little road and you're always stuck behind somebody going like 10 miles an hour in a motorhome. Um, so anyway, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, we cruised from there up to Steamboat Springs. I'd never been to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Super cool town. 
um, very up and coming ski town, I guess the uh, Uber driver, we went out to dinner and we didn't want to ride anymore. So we Ubered so we could have a couple beers downtown. And uh, he was saying that uh, the people that own like Vale and stuff had bought the ski resorts in that town. And about four years ago, and the town's really growing leaps and bounds. But it was super beautiful. Uh, Dad's lovely wife got us a badass hotel room that was like gorgeous views. Once again, another bougie room. I felt classy. <laughs> no days um, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a days in, but it worked, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was that was really cool. And it's neat. They have a public ski hill over there that if you live there, you can like go. I think it was free to get passes and you can ski all you want, like for the townspeople. And I'm just like, that's that's really cool. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a neat town. I, I expected it to be small, but it's like definitely got that like higher end, like Vale kind of feel on a smaller scale. Um, it has a little main street that's what, about eight, ten blocks long. And then there's. 50 million condos on the hill yeah and and the main street is like perfectly like renovated nice clean beautiful little restaurants we went to a, i think it was an italian place it was fantastic like it was it was it was kind of like the end of our trip go out for a fancy dinner meal so we did and it was <laughs> um but yeah so that was pretty cool from there we jumped on and went uh cruised on towards dad's house cruised to dad's house uh, he took us some back route through, what, Root National Forest or something? Uh, Medicine Bow. I can't remember. What was that pass we went over, Dad, when we rode from uh, something? Anyways, we rode over some cool passes, and he's like, it's faster this way. And I'm like, dude, looking on the map, that's way out of the way. And it was like all awesome two-lane roads just getting it. Like it was you actually go up and across into Wyoming through Cheyenne, Wyoming, and then drop down to his house. Hey, Pops knows what he's talking about. Don't argue when he says take this road; it's quicker. You just go with it. Yeah, yeah. no shit. And we had a great time, man. It was it was awesome. This pass was phenomenal. I got stuck behind this semi truck, and I couldn't get around that bastard. Like the whole he was going literally like fifteen miles an hour, and there'd be like a pullout. He wouldn't take the pullout. It was like all no passing and like just enough. I couldn't see around him. I was like, it's just not quite safe. So we followed him about three quarters of the way down and then got around him and had like a nice last 20 turns, <laughs> but it was a gorgeous, gorgeous ride. So then we ended up back at dad's house and I uh, got to hang out with my cousin, Mike and his wife, Olivia and Chloe, their daughter, they're awesome folks, super fun. Always good to see him. And, uh, Spent a day there, and and then it was time to head for me to head for home. I don't know. What do you have in – what other thoughts you got on the trip, Dad? I'll tell you what, but first thing I'd say is the weather was just perfect because going through Texas, the roads had been flooded, and you could see where they used bulldozers. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. And just bulldoze that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Bulldozer, no, right. it's bulldozer, damn it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <Bulldozer>. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh. So, anyway, the weather was awesome, and we really didn't have any real serious mechanical problems. I mean, we made it all the way without any major breakdowns. Yeah. 
I mean, Clayton not having brakes, that's no big deal. I mean, you know. Drive you just plug it down. Shit. <laughs> but, downshift. Yeah, I did. That's what I did. And it, they were bad enough at the end. I'd come to a stoplight, and it was hard not to look like you didn't know how to ride because you'd come up and go, and, like, the whole bike would rock every time, even if you, like, rolled in super slow. I was like, these oh, suck. shit. Man, I don't know. It was just there's 10 million mental pictures run through your head. It's like a whole movie. Or, and uh, there was, remember the place where we're, we're going on Route 66 and all of a sudden there's big barriers that say road closed. We're like, yeah. what the hell? So we pulled on the side of the road. We're trying to figure out what the hell to do. And local guy pulls up and says, uh, you guys looking, you know, you doing okay? Or we said, well, we're trying to follow Route 66. Oh, no sweat. Go around the barriers Take your second yep. right, and you're going to be right on Route 66. And it dumped us on the old route, and there was actually a totally restored old log gas station with, like, some hot guys in hot rods that had gone there just to take photos of their cars and stuff. That's freaking cool. Yeah, it's just so rad to see, like, meet people and see people. and Man, yeah, it just... You know, I when I took trips on my own, people would say, man, are you going to take a gun along? I'm like, why would I take a gun? Like, you know, well, there's, man, there's all kind of bad people. Oh, man, I've ridden well over 100,000 miles, and I haven't met that bad guy yet. Yeah. And it's typically just, on no. motorcycles, you've got good people. You know, like yeah. if you're on a motorcycle, you're going to meet somebody that likes motorcycles and meet good people. <laughs> and he might be scary as hell looking, but you know what? He's enjoying the ride and he's just. Damn right. As long as yeah. that. Yep. Yes. hundred percent. You got that camaraderie of two wheels. Yep. But, so yeah. I guess like just a couple things I have jotted down here that I should probably add. Cause I didn't add them is so together. Dad and I rode 29 states and went through Canada. So two countries, 29 states. We did about 1,300 miles of Route 66. And I wrote it down somewhere. Our mileage totals. We did what? Uh, I did 7,000, right? Yes. Yeah, so from his house, I have that we did 7,222 miles from his house, round trip to his house. And then uh, for me, round trip to Tillamook was one ten thousand one sixty six. Um, so, and my like the end of my trip. How long was your trip time wise? Five weeks. I was a uh, wrench bender, Nick. I was gone for six weeks, but I kind of tootled around when I left coming through Montana and stuff. Like I got to bust it out some more days, and then I spent a day at Dad's house before we left, and a day or two before I headed home. Um, so I was gone basically just under right at six weeks, um, from home. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess. So the end of my trip, I left his house and, uh, had some, just it was time to get home, had some, some things to take care of and stuff. So I left his house and busted a 900 mile day out. Um, went from, basically, well, north of Fort Collins, Colorado, to Baker City, um, Oregon. Spent the night there, got up, it was 34 degrees, colder than tits. And I had every piece of gear and 
thermal I had, rain gear, everything on <laughs> in the morning. And I didn't realize, like, I'd been through Baker City in the summer, but I didn't realize, like, it's in the fucking mountains. And then you're going to ride in the mountains for, like, an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, to get to Pendleton. Before so, you like, drop down. Yeah, it's cold as shit the whole way. So, like, I left there. And it got way colder. There was snow up on the pass. I'm sure it was, I don't know. It was cold as hell. We'll just say that. It was damn cold. Um, I did pack winter gloves on the whole trip because I hate cold hands. Um, yeah, hell yeah. Wrench Bender, Mike, I'm glad you're semi-retired. I am too. I probably uh, will be back to full-time work here soon, which I'm kind of stoked on. But, yeah, do yeah, it, see, man. Uh, he got Wrench Bender, Nick, and Springer, Mike. They're heading up to my house next summer, probably like June. Oh, no shit. Well, I'll come up there. Let's all... It's all barbecue, and I'll throw my tent in. We'll come up, and we'll barbecue and kick it. That'd be sweet. Um, So, yeah, so then I rode my my next day home, and it was cool. Um, I stopped by and saw my friends at Paradise Harley-Davidson on the way out, and that was my first stop on the way back. And, uh, yeah, so it was super cool, other than really, really warped brake rotors that were almost useless towards the end. It was cool. Remodeled the school in Baker City, Springer Mike. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Baker City's a really cool little town. Um, I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I have a, a customer and buddy of mine, Brian Lefavor, and his wife Kate. Um, they live in Baker City, and I, I came in late because it had been a long day, and I crashed, and I got up early and hauled ass. I should have hit him up, but um, well, Springer Mike and Nick, they're from. They grew up in Eastern Oregon. Oh no, shit! Oregon. Oh, very cool. Yeah. They're Oregontonians that have now became Wyomians. <laughs> I love me some Wyoming, too. That's one of my favorite states. One piece of advice Clayton had gotten turned out to be true. After you get everything packed, don't pack any more than you think you need and then take half of it out and chuck it because you don't, you ain't going to need nearly yeah. what you think you will. No, Springer Mike, I have not. He said, have, I, uh, have we ever been to Sumpner? Uh, I have not been to Sumner, but I want to get out there. I need to explore a lot more. Like Oregon's such a unique state in that like the left or left, or I guess that's Wyoming, but like, I don't know. It's just amazing. Like how even within Oregon, like you've got the left quarter of the state and then everything is just wide open and there's nothing there. <laughs> like, you know, you get out like Burns, Oregon. You ever ridden through Burns? There ain't much there, bro. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Yeah, head south out of Pendleton down 395. There ain't much there, but a beautiful twisty road along the river. Yeah, 100% right. Absolutely. It's gorgeous. But, yeah, that was true. Uh, So I actually unpacked a bunch of shit out of my bag and left it at Dad's house for the trip. Um, And other than doing laundry, you know, you basically bring about five days worth of shit and do laundry. I wear my jeans more than one day. But uh, Pedialyte was huge. That was – Logan from Paradise Harley called me and was like, bro, I saw you like had heat stroke. This was when I was headed to dad's house at the beginning of the trip. He's like, Pedialyte. And they make and now little they have that new stuff you can buy a liquid IV. Yeah, you can totally. put in a bottle and, of water. And most any of that shit where, and that's what, so Pedialyte actually makes little packs that are about the size of your pointer finger. Mm-hmm. And you just tear it off and dump it in a bottle of water. And like, you don't want to overdo it because it's heavy in electrolytes, but we would split one of those. In fact, when it was hot as hell leaving Sturgis, we stopped at, uh, wall drug i bought a whole bunch there um heck yeah thank you springer mike thank you for listening man i appreciate appreciate everybody that's that's tuning in as 
I don't know. It's just great to relive memories and, and share. But anyways, uh, Pedialyte was huge. Those little things, you can pack about 50 of them in your bag, tear one off, throw it in a bottle of water. And like we split one bottle of water with a Pedialyte and both felt like energized, like, oh, wow. You know, and it was like 105, 107 degrees out, you know, but it was, it's amazing. Don't, don't, it's, it's easy to underestimate how many fluids you're losing when you're riding. Well, one of the great guys I got to know a long distance, that was one of his big preaches. You're stopping for gas. You know, you got to think of it. You're rehydrating your bike. You need to hydrate yourself. You fill yeah. your bike, you drink a bottle of water, bottle of Gatorade, something, because you got to replenish yourself also. I mean, every stop. Yeah. And that's, we would usually chug at least one, if not two bottles of water every stop when it yeah. was hot. And, uh, you know, and I just didn't realize I'd never ridden in that, like, over 105 stuff really before that you you can't even with gatorade you can't keep enough electrolytes in your body <laughs> like it's right. pretty pretty damn hard unless you're real well hydrated to start with so um yeah but yeah pedialyte was great i still actually have a whole bunch of them because then it cooled down and we had a great trip and didn't really need them which is great it's like rain gear that chases rain away we want pedialyte that chases heat <laughs> yeah there you go one big over with a trip uh Clayton did portland to portland from portland oregon to portland maine and i That's had right marvel over that the other thing is he went from coast to coast tillamook's in the water and when we went to the lighthouse in maine he got a good picture of himself right at the atlantic ocean yeah it's a cliff so i couldn't pull down to the water but i was i was right there there. yeah yeah that was a pretty that was i forgot about the portland to portland i was pretty pumped on that at the time like it just kind of cool like well and part of it too when you're on a trip that big you know it just it's like little, it's baby steps. You look at the trip and you're like, how am I ever going to do that? And then you just ride, you know, and you ride some more and you ride some more. And pretty soon yep. you're on the other side of the country. There's another thing that definitely hit me about Maine is I didn't realize how far out in the ocean it sticks and how different their sunrise and sunset are because they're like, like from where I grew up in North Carolina to Maine, it's probably 500 miles in the ocean. So we can go see... And we're naming. Heck yeah, Springer Mike. Let's have seafood. In fact, yeah. I can take the go out and, and uh, if the weather's good, I'll go try and pull a bunch of crab and bring fresh crab up. That's one there thing about go. Colorado. There isn't much seafood around here. No, nope. <laughs> and the crabs you get there, you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, shit, guys, man, this has been so much fun. You know, Heck yeah. Normally we do, you know, hour, hour and a half, we definitely pass out, but man, this has been an epic adventure. I mean, I've I enjoyed the shit out of hearing it, man. And, you know, Al, thank you for coming and hanging out, Clayton. Yeah. Man, thank you so much. You guys sharing the story. And I think it's so awesome you guys did this together. And, you know, the memories and everything you're going to have for a lifetime. And I'm honored to be able to share this basically forever now. Yeah. We're, we're both honored to be on here. Like, that was such a great idea when you're like, heck, does your dad want to be on? Like, that's just so perfect. I mean, just I'm just thank you very much. It's awesome, man. It was a great trip. I hope we have many oh, more yeah. like it. And I hope it inspires people to get out and just do cool shit <laughs> like just go do it <laughs> oh yeah no this has been so freaking cool and you know it's something I, I hope to do you know like i said sooner than later but yeah thank you guys for for coming on sharing your story and and letting us all be a part of the adventure you had you know getting to live through your story <laughs> thank well, you Denver. we appreciate it man it's awesome it really is the only bad yeah. thing when you get home you're like thinking, when can we do this again? Like, yeah, you're yeah. so excited to be home. Hey, thanks, DDK. That means a lot. You know, I know I, 
sure you know a lot of oh, people yeah thank you this did this did go long but man it, it, the story is, is what it's all about and man i'm honored to share it you know yeah. all you guys that, that stayed and, and listened to this man thank you so much i mean this is this is why i do it this is why i enjoy it and man this was so freaking cool yeah thank you so cool. much we had a great time my man thank you it's an honor yeah, so next week, guys, we will have Milepost 85 with Michael Nielsen, better known as Two Wheels to Survive. He is a medically retired combat veteran that has brought back his own demons, and he is also an ambassador for Mission 22, and his goal was 22 Iron Bust this year, and I think he is on 20, and with weather came in like it did, you know, whether he can get 21 and 22 before the end of the year, we will, we will see, but he is a riding fool. He's a great friend of mine, you know, a guy that... I consider my brother. We've done a lot of riding together, and, you know, we're going to hear his story. And part of his deal is two wheels to survive, the two wheels, and then the number two as, you know, part of 22. And, you know, that's something that holds near and dear to his heart as, you know, a combat veteran and does a lot for the community. And he's going to come on next week, and he's going to share some stories and adventures. So, guys, pop in next week for Milepost 85. And Clayton, Al, man, guys, thank you so much. I, I've enjoyed the heck out of this this was so much fun so did we thank you so much denver it was an honor my friend absolutely yeah it was nice to get to hang out with you get out we'll have to hopefully one day we'll catch up in the near future all right hey until then guys hey ride safe have fun enjoy the open road and we will catch you in the winds all right all right take care be safe